Welcome back. President Trump's first overseas trip will be an ambitious one. In addition to the annual meetings of the NATO alliance and the G7 economic powers, the trip includes stops in Saudi Arabia, Israel, and at the Vatican. The president has been highly critical of Saudi Arabia at times, but says his visit to the nation that is home of Islam's two holiest mosques is critical. Saudi Arabia is the custodian of the two holiest sites in Islam. And it is there that we will begin to construct a new foundation of cooperation and support with our Muslim allies to combat extremism, terrorism, and violence, and to embrace a more just and hopeful future for young Muslims in their countries. You're listening to The Devil's Advocate, where we talk about news and current events. I'm your host, Brandon Condit. And I'm also your host, Mitchell Hernandez. Our goal at The Devil's Advocate is to provoke thought by introducing viewpoints and information that isn't readily available in the mainstream media. It's in truth a conversation where an independent liberal, like myself, and an independent conservative, like myself, can share different viewpoints without the typical disdain for one another we see all too often in politics. So with that, let's get started. The Saudi press agency said the Gulf states are forming a Middle East strategic alliance, dubbed Arab-NATO, to address defense and deterrence, counter-terror financing, and extremist ideology. Critics accuse some countries at the summit of being complicit in the arming of terror groups and violating human rights. But those concerns are taking a backseat for now, says journalist Steve Herman. We have to have the, the the Saudis and other countries that don't have a great human rights record as allies in this uh, common cause against terrorism where uh, there are even more egregious human rights violations. Meanwhile, the White House is touting several deals worth billions of dollars, including a massive arms deal with Saudi Arabia. But not everyone is happy. When you do this sort of substantial deal, this causes nervousness with with other allies. And uh, the president, we're going on Air Force One in a few hours uh, with the president to uh, Israel. And the Israelis are a bit concerned about the scope of this deal and are saying that they're going to want an explanation. All right. So um, obviously the first topic this week, um, one of the one of the major stories uh, was Trump's foreign trip, right. his first foreign trip as president um, that he took this week, which concluded with the G7. About eight um, days long? About eight days long, eight or nine, eight and a half, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and not a totally, like, <laughs> I, think, I think Trump should probably be grateful that he got out of the country for yeah. a little bit because it was the least controversial week <laughs> of his entire presidency so far. Right. It's, um, it's, I guess kind of widely been touted as successful it, as... Now, yeah. I have seen a lot of places saying the bar was set low and all of that type of stuff, which, you right. know, that's fine. Haters going to hate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so so obviously we'll get into that. We've got uh, we've got an article um, that will just kind of break down a little bit of stuff. J- Trump, on, on this eight-day trip, visited first Saudi Arabia, um, 
did he follow, follow that up by Israel? Yeah. And then to the Vatican and then concluded with the G7 summit. So pretty big, pretty big yeah. schedule there. Um, pretty aggressive. Too busy to take questions from the media, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it was, it was the first time a president didn't do a press conference right. while he was doing all while of these all things. While all of his buddies next to him were. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. So that was interesting. But I'll let you go ahead and, and kind of jump into the article. and Right. So this article, this is coming from Politico. Um, I saw quite a few different articles that were, you know, basically saying these are the top five things to take away. Some of them were good. Some of them weren't. Um, CNN's was garbage. And uh, NPR's was... It was... (laughs) It didn't focus on the things that I think were the actual takeaways. Mm -hmm. Like, it just kind of focused on what it wanted to talk about. So, I thought this one was pretty good. First off, it says the optics were the message. Uh, See, Tom uh, glowed as he placed his hands on an illuminated orb next to King Salman. At the Global Center for Combating Extremist Ideology uh, in Saudi Arabia on Sunday. That doesn't sound written with a bias. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was, and obviously that was the he biggest. He glowed as if he was a pregnant woman. <laughs> um, I think they meant that he quite literally was glowing in the presence of this because he's creepy orange. looking. <laughs> <laughs> that was the biggest takeaway from the Saudi Arabia trip. Other than the fact, I mean, we talked briefly about the big thing about her, having, Melania Trump having to you know, walk behind him. Mm-hmm. The fact that she wasn't wearing a veil. Right. So those were things. But I think the biggest thing that everyone caught up on, got caught up on, was that creepy f- orb that was just like it looked creepy like everyone was like putting their hands on it and it's glowing and it's dimly lit like, who elected president <laughs> jafar um, <laughs> right. you know it was so yeah it was definitely something i mean i don't really understand the reason why they do that i don't know what the significance of you know putting your hand on a creepy orb is no. but it definitely made for a hilarious uh photo op yeah good good memes <laughs> to come out of this trip um, right so they said that the Vatican Trump was uh, grinning alongside uh, the Pope, which we'll kind of get into the Pope thing because, uh, oh, my God, does Pope Francis not like Donald Trump? I mean, <laughs> no. it was extremely apparent the whole time. So I thought that was hilarious. Uh, and then in Europe, he had awkward encounters, um, obviously, you know, sitting next to all of the democratically elected leaders for Who was, the G7 Did you see the, the video where I don't remember? I don't know what uh, leader, like what country this guy represents or whatever but at the g summit G- trump as he walks by like grabs dude's shoulder and like pushes him aside like that what, was what the so hell was fucking that? dumb yeah <laughs> i was, was sitting ridiculous. there there's a lot of things that i liked about about the g7 I'll put a video to that in in the comments yeah. for this episode because yeah, you've been watching it most you watch it you're it. like well, what the hell was that like, america like, first <laughs> <and> just like, <laughs> like right. shove the dude i thought that was a bullshit stupid move that he should not have done that was no super stupid super classless like i love the fact that he called out everyone on nato i thought that was awesome i know that they were like oh look at all the allies they're they're squirming it's like yeah i don't mind it, that donald trump calls people out like that per yeah. se where, where i think that a lot of his critics including myself um get caught up with him is it's okay to react quickly in certain situations nato nafta like you know right where, where we know what we're what we're working with isn't a volatile situation um I don't like the constant tweets. I don't like the fact that he... The, the thing is that yeah. when somebody says something about him, he reacts so quickly that there's no time to have a measured response. And right. that can be dangerous in the wrong situation. And if, you know, I don't want to get into Russia on this episode, <laughs> um, but what I will say Russia. is if there was something... Um, if we were actually worried about Putin 
playing Donald Trump, then his tweets and his reactionary personality where you can't say something without a response two minutes later, then you're literally... As an adversarial country, you're literally watching how this man reacts to things in real time. Yeah, that becomes a way, a tool to play him. Now, um, to to counter... I'm not saying that that's what's happening. Right. What I'm saying is, I know that I was prefer, the big fear. I prefer when he takes foreign trips like this and he stays on message, <laughs> like and because yeah. he literally stayed on script. And yeah, and it, makes, it ended up being pretty, pretty right. well received. That, make, that makes for a when more it comes to the Twitter thing. I don't like his Twitter thing. I don't mind at the same time so i think that half the time everything that he says on twitter i find stupid Mm -hmm. but i like i don't like the argument that he can't tweet because of course he can he can i just think that and i don't think it's dangerous like i think that was played up everyone was like it's dangerous he's gonna tweet nuclear war and it's like dude that's not gonna happen no i don't think that but i do think it is dangerous in that in that sense that North Korea can watch how Donald Trump reacts to any situation, whether right. it's whether it's talks of nuclear war or whether it's Rosie O'Donnell. Like we know how yeah. this guy reacts to things on a minute by by minute by minute basis. And if you're a country that doesn't share U.S. interests and you want to be able to figure out your move to get yeah. under America's skin. Like it's really easy to just follow him on Twitter and be like, yeah, well, I don't think it's... he's going to freak out and say some dumb shit. And <laughs> then he's going to have to walk it back. I so... still think that, you know, look at what happened with Syria. Like when it came to something important, he didn't tweet about it and he just made his right. move and it was, it was there. Right. So I think that when it comes to Twitter, he says dumb shit mm. again, it's dumb shit. It, so it's not, I get that. You know what I mean, it can be, cause a problem yeah that's all i'm saying so when so i appreciate this foreign trip i guess is where i'm trying to conclude to because the man stayed on message like a damn president does and i appreciate that i still am not a fan of donald trump's but i appreciate (laughs) acting presidential Right. So So then uh, in Europe at the G7, it says Trump had a more awkward encounter uh, that telegraphed his attitude. A photo of him tightly gripping the hand of French President Emmanuel Macron uh, and video of him appearing to push aside the prime minister of Montenegro. That didn't play well. You know what I mean? And we got to the bottom of where he's from. (laughs) (laughs) We had to do was read one more sentence. Right. Um so that was so basically the biggest point was the optics. I think that if you if you love Donald Trump, you think that he came off coming America first and you love it. If you hate Donald Trump, you're saying, "Wow, look at that douchebag bully who's being a big and asshole." I think if you're in the middle, the global stage. I think if you're in the middle, you kind of take my stance. Yeah, like, all right, like, all right. Happened. Here, here's the thing: <laughs> he did some good things, but like, don't be a dick. Right. <laughs> so the second uh, takeaway, the political states is Trump's home run accomplished very little, perhaps by design. So it says, privately, some U.S. Uh, officials called the jaunt completely useless. Very few decisions were made at the summit meeting. While Trump played to his base with the America First approach with foreign relations, but the president got away with ma- without making any promises that would keep uh, that would be hard to keep back in Washington and managing to reverse positions taken by his predecessor, Barack Obama, without causing major political rows. So that was the big thing from the G7 summit is everyone else affirmed that they were going to be in the Paris uh, Agreement. He did not. Mm. Uh, and prediction. I he, think he's going he to will. do it. Yeah, yeah, I think absolutely he I will. I don't think he's. I don't think he's pulling out of that. I like. And I told you 
earlier that, you know, I imagine that he'll spin it because <laughs> Donald Trump yeah. thinks of things in terms of wins and losses. So he's got to right. pull out a win. But I would imagine next week when he makes a statement, it'll be something along the lines of, well, France, <laughs> France is going to do what I said that they should do. So it's all good now. And right. it's a better deal. Um, so, and, I would and, imagine that's how that's going to go. Yeah. And I think that he will do that. I just think that he's right when he says that. Like when he says, maybe it depends on if they out, actually did anything, right? And, and I know that he he came out and said that after he called out all of the G seven uh, countries for not paying what they said they were going to for NATO's defense, then and then him saying, "I'm not saying if I'm going to be in the Paris Agreement or not," and also Article five of the agreement, which states if one of us is attacked, it's an attack on all of us. Mm-hmm. He didn't reaffirm his position there. No, they really wanted to do that. Right. And he was kind of like, well, why? You guys don't pay for your defense. You don't do anything, which I agree with on face. I don't think, I understand that they say like, oh, we, you're calling out our allies and you're making bad blood with our allies. They're not doing what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And if they're not paying towards the defense and we have to fit the bill for it, like what is the point? So I think that us saying no, but you know what? Maybe we're not going to do it. Right. Is a fair statement. So then if they, he claimed Trump did in, in Twitter, of course, that they did start pouring in money for uh, NATO's defense. Mm-hmm. And if that's so, if he actually was able to call them out, was able to get money in, I think that will be his bargain to go into these agreements. But what I would urge the listener to do, as well as ourselves, over the next weeks is trace that. Like, yeah. Let's see. Make sure he's actually right. doing it. Because cause... it's one thing to say that, like, Oh, they just decided they're gonna they're gonna do what they needed to do anyway. So that's right. a win for us. We negotiated a good deal. It's another thing for that to actually be the case. The fact of the matter is, we talked really tough on Iran since Donald Trump. <laughs> the other fact of the matter is, we didn't get out of that bad deal that no. he cited for the entire campaign. And when he came in to the presidency he said like on it was like week one like this iran nuclear deal is a bad deal it's horrible we're tearing it up and whatever well guess what folks he hasn't (laughs) nothing no policy has changed now they have talked tougher about iran right and i think they have imposed a couple new sanctions on iran too yeah which but they you know i feel about sanctions i think they're stupid but they never actually tore that agreement up the policy still stands as it was signed by barack obama right so while they spin this illusion that we've done something (laughs) with iran they haven't so i would just urge people to keep an eye on the nato right and you definitely have to look at it and say you know, if that's your issue, if you want them to to go against it, you need to hold them accountable to it. In my opinion, this this isn't anything that we haven't seen before. My opinion is that campaign promises tend to look different once you become president. Yeah, I agree. And the same thing that we Guantanamo saw Guantanamo Bay, exactly, was exactly right. what I was going to bring up. Where everyone knew that that's what Barack Obama wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I think that because he didn't do it. There was a reason that he had some that he right. saw some purpose for it. And, and I think only, the same thing with Donald Trump. There's a reason that he thinks I, we need this. What I prefer and what I stated throughout the entire eight year presidency, um, as far as Barack Obama goes, is I wish those guys then would humble themselves a little bit and come out and be like, Look, it's not gonna close. Guantanamo is not gonna close, <laughs> and here's why. When right. I was 2008 candidate Barack Obama, I didn't realize A, B, and C. So because of those factors, I can't shut it down. Right. Um, and it wouldn't be good for me to shut it down. And I think that people like me 
They just kind of didn't say anything about it. Well, and people like me that understand that. Like, here's the, for the first four years, I was kind of irritated because I was like, why do you keep telling me it's going to happen? It doesn't seem like it's going to happen. And then by year seven, I was like, I get that it's not going to happen. <laughs> just like be upfront about it. Right. Come out. Say something and, and be and like, tell me that, like, yeah, it can't happen because. XYZ. Um, right. Was it ABC or was it XYZ? What the fuck? <laughs> Man, it's all of it. It's all of it. Um, right. So let's see here. Uh, they called it the most difficult G7 summit basically because if you look at the people who were there, so you had Theresa May from England, mm. who is a liberal, and she's very much for... I'm sure that was uncomfortable after the New York Times leaked some damn information oh, yeah. this yeah, week. Yeah, that was crazy. Um, so for people who don't know, there was a... Uh, obviously, there was a bombing in... Uh, Manchester. Manchester. I almost said London. <laughs> in Manchester at an Aria Grande concert. Mm. And I guess the New York Times somehow got some photos. They leaked the guy's name. Yeah. Before they were supposed to, because I know that they ended up capturing his brother and his father, mm-hmm. uh, and apparently his brother was planning a secondary attack, yeah. and they, they shut that down. But by releasing his name, then... Everybody associated with him. Right. They could have said, hey, man, they got, right. they're looking well, for you. Well, not only did they here. say his name, they said, so they said his name, they showed what he was wearing, and they said, like, we know that there's a sophisticated bomb maker involved <laughs> with this because yeah. this 22-year-old kid who blew himself up, it's not, that's not how it works. Like, right. that's not how those organizations work. The guy who makes the bomb, the sophisticated bomb, like this one was, um, is an asset to the organization. That right. guy doesn't blow himself up. No, he um, continues to, to do the things that work so, with the terrorists. So, group. yeah, the fact that they leaked all that stuff, well, now... And whoever, the pictures who, of the bomb materials. Whoever that guy is, is like, shit, I'm getting out of town. Um, because, <laughs> they caught me. Right. So, yeah, that Theresa was May was not having so it. So the way and, that that ties into the G7 summit, though, is, mm-hmm. like you said, Theresa May was not having it. and I think it was strong on her. Yeah, I agreed with her. Yeah. I was like... In, I think she said that they're I, not sharing any more information with the U.S., which sucks. But I completely understand well, why she's, she did it. She's changed that since. Has she gone back on yeah. it? Yeah. So what happened was they they stopped. It was like a forty-eight hour freeze on intelligence between the United States, and I don't think it was ever intended to be more than that. Yeah. When it was I just like until this is over. And I think when uh like when I saw those comments, I first of all, it's Britain and the United States. It's going to take more than leaking. So like it sucks and it is yeah. it is harmful to both countries, but it's going to take more than that for Britain to be like, okay, our whole relationship <laughs> is on freeze. Right, like, they're relying they're on not, us a lot right. now that the Brexit's going on and everything. Right, so they're not going to do that. So it was right. I think it was like the day of or the day after Donald Trump apologized for yeah. the media leaking it, um, which I think was the right thing for him to do. I think it was too. Um, but let's just state. This is stop one on the apology tour of Donald <laughs> Trump. He bowed to the Saudi <laughs> prince. I can't so, believe it. Right. So, <laughs> so I think he's a Merslam. <laughs> right. Um, right. So I think that everyone was doing the right thing there. But regardless, it made for some tense moments. Yeah, it Their did. policies couldn't be more different. Like Even though they had a referendum and uh, England has decided to get out of the EU, Theresa May is very much for the EU. Mm-hmm. And there was some talk that she was going to override it and just not follow through with the referendum. She ended up coming out and affirming, yes, this is the date. We will remove ourselves and all of that. But for a while, they didn't think they were going to because that whole referendum thing was kind of like supposed to bolster up support for 
mm-hmm. the the EU side of it, and it just didn't turn out the way they wanted it to. Yeah. So you had that. You had the French president, uh, Emmanuel Macron, who is completely has gone on against Trump his entire campaign, <laughs> and obviously was. Well, he's like a super liberal, isn't he? No, he's not. He's a corporatist, okay. and. But so you think that they would have more ties, but in France, that's still very liberal. They're mm-hmm. still a very liberal country, and he does not like Trump. All that you had Canada with Justin Trudeau, who is completely the anti-Trump as well. Mm. I mean, he had the bromance going on with Barack I feel Obama. Sad for him too, because he just told um, everybody in Canada, "You need to root for the Ottawa Senators." For <laughs> and, and guess what happened, Canada? You didn't root hard enough, and stupid ass Sidney Crosby is on his way to another Stanley Cup. <laughs> Oh my God! I just—I uh, can't believe it. Where was where was the French Canadian love? No um, man, it was it was it was gone. It's all it's all your fault, Montreal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then you had Germany with Angela Merkel, who again is very much pro EU and all of that. So you had those were the at least four of them, and I know I don't know much about the new um, Italian president dictator i don't know who, what they mm. what they do there i know he was brand new I think it's a dictator i don't know that's in stalin <laughs> <laughs> it was mussolini but, but oh right yeah. yeah but and then who was the the other people and then i guess the obviously the eu had a representative there uh and then america was there but so basically he was one of the only conservatives conservative voices there so they very much wanted him to be on message with what they were doing and he was not he basically mm-hmm. had to walk back all of the positions that barack obama was had previously stated and all of that so that was the other big thing that was coming out of this foreign trip is he felt he looked very comfortable with the saudi princes mm-hmm. king salman he looked very comfortable in israel with benjamin netanyahu and uh, a couple of good things came out of that as well. Where uh, Benjamin Netanyahu was saying that they were they approved some housing for Palestinians on the East Bank, which is awesome. I mean, that has been a big contentious issue of him showing settlements. Me. But we'll see. Yeah, I mean, they said they're approving it, so they're gonna have to build it and whatnot, and and do that. But that's something good that came out of it. Um, I know that they're really taking it seriously that they want to they want to try for peace, and I think that that's a huge. It's a huge deal, and if they can do yeah, it, it's that's a awesome. huge deal. I think you're putting more stock into it. like it's a three thousand year old war. <laughs> so yeah, but between Israel, if President Orange can come <laughs> in and just always bring up his it. color, <laughs> but racist, <laughs> racist. <laughs> um, all the Palumpas out there, man. Right, I mean, he's this, just representing them. Diversity. Man, I'm just but. so hard on the Simpsons characters. Um, <laughs> right. But they were yellow. <laughs> but yeah, I don't. Like, I don't. Buy it's it. a big. Yeah, it's a big thing. And again, it's only been like 70 years between the Israelis and the Palestinians. That that war. I mean, Palestine. Palestine has also, been at war with not, all different people. I don't take Benjamin Netanyahu at his word at all. I'm not a he fan. Do, he of doesn't Netanyahu. like it. Yeah, I know that he um, doesn't like the whole. Let's start giving the Palestinians more things because, to be fair. The Palestinians' position are kill all Israelis. So that's the not pa- someone that I typically palis- want to shake their hand. The Palestinian government, which is like the six um, people. Um, I'm forgetting their their damn name right now. But yeah, the is he- Hezbollah. Is it Hezbollah? Yeah. Um, which so. like it, it was at one point. If it's not, or yeah. is it? It's not Hamas. F- it is Hamas. It that is was the Hamas? word I was thinking. Yeah, that's okay. the word I was thinking of. I just um, couldn't, couldn't grasp it. But yeah, I mean, and like I said, they they came back and they were they a couple weeks ago they were like, all right, we're changing our position. We don't want to kill all the Palestinians. And then one of the leaders came out and he was like, fuck that, we do want to kill all the <laughs> all the Israelis. Israelis. I said, yeah, Palestinians. I meant Israelis. Um, 
So it's hard to want to shake those guys' hands. I understand I, why they feel that I way because that. Israel kind of came in and conquered their land and just kind of pushed them off and built a wall no, around I, them. I agree with that, and I, I think that it's fair to label them a terrorist organization or right. or at least um i guess militant would, would you well, call the taliban a terrorist organization they were a government yeah um, i would because they but fund, i would call kind of hamas i would call hamas kind of the same thing where yeah. it's, they are a, a political establishment right you know and they should be removed like yeah not by israel because <laughs> that's going to create problems yeah um i think there's a lot of palestinians that just want peace and I think, I think so there's too. a lot of Israelis that just want peace as well. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that, but it's but hard I to would, do that whenever people but are getting here's bombed what and I would, killed. Here's what I'll say to the audience too. And this is just a great opportunity for me to plug one of my favorite films that I've, that I've ever watched. But I think it really gives you a different perspective on the Israeli Palestine because America, we've grown up knowing that we, our generation has grown up knowing that Israel is our friend that's our interest we are going and like i think a lot of times a lot of people that i have this discussion with blindly support israel because right. they have been told to support it well that's right. where jesus was born so <laughs> yeah, i guess we like those guys no big deal um here's the th- here's Isn't the bethlehem thing, in palestine no is it i don't think so i think it's in israel okay um no yeah because yeah, they were trying to move it to okay oh, but no, i'm getting confused here's what i will say watch um Oh my god! I know I the movie. I can't think of the title. <sighs> Paradise Now. Paradise Now. Paradise Now is a foreign film that is shot on the border of Israel and Palestine. Quite literally, they were shot. They at- <laughs> yes, and and in the in the making of the film, um, the there there was a scene in particular where um, Palestinians run across run across the border of israel and so here's first of all here's why i would tell you to watch this movie because a looking at palestine and looking at israel really like your real life looking at the fence that separates a golden city from a war-torn street essentially um it's surreal you get to see something that you're not gonna see on the news you're not going to see so like you really get to look into that and be like holy crap this is this is hard to look at. This yeah. isn't how two neighborhoods should be next to right. each other. Well, just um, look at pictures of Damascus before the bombing. I mean, it right. looks like New York or yeah. Dubai or something. It looks so, incredible. But, but in this film, there was I, the, the the people who were filming it had to go to the Israeli guards that sit on the chain link fence that separates Golden City from right. Dirt Row. And... Um, they had to tell the guards, don't shoot our actors. We're, like, we're shooting <laughs> we're a, movie. a movie. They're running across this fence. Don't shoot them. Because Israel was really shooting at other people that were right. close to the fence um, at the time. But I would say, watch the film. Um, it's good because it shows people changing their minds. They have their positions. Lots of things get kind of muddled. Mm-hmm. And it shows just the inner conflict of both sides. Right. Of just where... You could tell both people want peace, and then, but uh, right. it, it's really, it's really good. Yeah, it is good, and I, I won't comment on, you know, the plot of the film, and I won't tell you that there's that you should be on a certain side of this conflict. What I would tell you though is that you should actually look inside Israel and Palestine with your eyes instead yeah. of just through articles, because when you see it, it is it it's much different than when right. you just talk about it. Um. So anyway, yeah. 
we we can do a whole segment on Palestine and Israel at right. some point because we, we really can. But it's definitely a, a but, issue. I mean, that we talk I about applaud every pres. I applaud every administration who has the idea that we are going to help bring peace to the Middle East. I just don't buy it. Yeah, um, I mean, we'll have to see it. And I think that if anybody was going to do it. We got as close as we were going to get with Jimmy Carter. and well, He did. What was it Egypt? And I think it was Egypt and Israel. And is, I, I think so. I think so. Um, I wasn't alive, so that. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I do know that like they were able to get an agreement done. And, right. I, and I don't know, especially with the players in the Middle East yeah. right now, if well, that's attainable. In, yeah, and Egypt right now. right now is in complete turmoil. Right. I mean, you saw that with the Muslim Brotherhood, and mm-hmm. then they kicked that guy out. And now they're killing Christians left and right in mm-hmm. Egypt. Egypt is not not doing well. No, the Arab Spring didn't do great things for no. the region. Right. Um, and some people ended up doing great things, and other people just... I mean, that's the nature of war. Sides, right. sides win, sides lose. Yeah. But I think going back to Trump's trip, he seemed very comfortable in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. He seemed very comfortable in Israel. Well, I think he, he felt- did not... I didn't think he looked comfortable at all with the Pope. Did you no. see that... that when but, he tries to hold the Pope's hand, he gets yes. super pissed. Yes. He's like, get out of here. I actually thought like, that no was No one wants fake. to hold his hand. Like, I actually thought that that was fake when I first saw it. I, I thought, like, that, I, yeah. That is so weird. Oh, my God. It was so funny. He just smiles like a ding dong at the camera. He's like, no one wants to hold his hand. Melania won't hold his hand. No. The Pope won't hold his hand. Melania's planning the divorce, though. Yeah. I think that whenever the whole Pussy incident, like, really shook her and was like, no, I'm, screw him. I'm sorry, but like I'm calling that right now. If, yeah. if he had I think not won, face. I, if he had not won the presidency, they would already not be together. I think so. Um, I think that they're going to save face and and not and not do anything for the the term of the presidency. Right. But I don't think that they are on good terms. No. That's complete conjecture. That's e entertainment side coming out. But that's body language reading. Yeah. Like, that's really what it is. She doesn't seem to enjoy his company. No. And um, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, he. Mike Pence wouldn't kiss him. I mean, it's just, there's no love for Donald Trump in the inner circle. No love. They hate yeah. us because they ain't us. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, but I mean, and then I know there was. I, a... Well, before we get into the Pope, let's just finish up on Saudi Arabia because you know, okay. we kind of jumped all over in this segment. Yeah. But, um, I think the reason he was so comfortable, to your point, um, in Saudi Arabia is because they, it seems like he knew he was making a deal before he went over there. Yeah. And the deal that he made was $110 million? Billion? Man, it's an arms deal. I know that. It, I can't remember the exact. It, we're gonna I thought it was $100 billion. I think it is. Um, so $110 billion weapon, uh, weapon deal between right. the United States and Saudi Arabia. And, and they um, do a lot of stuff against Iran. Over 10 that's, years, that's supposed to turn into $350 billion. Something like that. Um, yeah. So... That seems good. Yeah. If you're somebody who, like, obviously that's going to create jobs. It's going to, like, the stock, well, yeah, we're stocks going are going to, like, we're going to make money off that. That's good. Um, we're overlooking a lot of human rights violations <laughs> um, and yeah. a lot of conflicting interests. There, There's a lot of, um, there's, a, and I don't know how it is right now in 2017, but mm-hmm. I know in the past that Saudi Arabia, in the recent past, Saudi Arabia is known to fund all kinds of things, all kinds right. of mosques, all kinds of like whatever. Well, then it goes and back I to I the... don't have a problem with that, except for the fact that a lot of those mosques end up turning into terror cells because there are right. terror cells that mask themselves. It's kind of you know what bad guys do. do? <laughs> um, and so Saudi Arabia 
some could say that they know that they're doing it. Some could say that they that unbeknownst to them, they are funding terrorism. So how right. smart is it to hand over $350 billion worth of weapons that could then potentially be used against us by right. ISIS or by Hezbollah or you know, right. insert terrorist organization here? Mm-hmm. So I actually did some research on it just because that was a question that I had was why the fuck do we enjoy giving you know making deals with mm-hmm. Saudi Arabia and most of it had to do with Iran and the, the they allow us to fly over the Arabian Peninsula mm-hmm. which is extremely important to us um but then i was like well didn't they fund the 911 guys so i looked more into that and i guess there was like six or seven of them that were from saudi arabia the people who hijacked the planes and whatnot that was 17 of 19 well, I don't think it was I that many. I think it was. I, I, I think there was one guy, no one from Afghanistan. Um, there was yeah. like, oh, man, I'll have to look it up. I'll, yeah. I'll find it and Well, the big controversy it, was the in the 9-11 commission, there was 28 pages that were missing. Mm-hmm. And they a lot of people claimed that that was because it was showing that they had ties to uh, the Saudi princes. And so they originally, they eventually did publish that with a bunch of names redacted. And it looked like there was a few Saudi princes who had f- given money whether they knew if that's what they were being used for or not, but they had given large sums of money to some of these people that ended up going on to be terrorists. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, that was 2001. This is 16 years later. Right. Things could be different. We don't. I don't know the whole right, landscape Right, but it's also it. hard, too, based on... See, my thing is, and what I would expect the case is for most of the audience, is that, like, I don't keep up with Saudi Arabian politics. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, when... Uh, I don't remember which Saudi prince. There's um, like a million of them. You but know. It, when that press conference happened, where Donald Trump and he were standing side by side, and they were they were asked a question about like, well, you guys are like bombing the shit out of Yemen right now, and like all yeah, of Yemen is, all is of a these things huge are issue like at the moment. People are starving there, and you guys aren't letting food get in, and blah blah. And this is Saudi Arabia, not the United States. Right. Um, well, we help them, but and we, we're the, bombing quite a bit in in Yemen. But then the Saudi prince response was well actually these people in yemen are the bad guys the not the citizens but like this organization is the bad right. guys they started it they blah, blah the problem that i have with those answers while they sound good and while it sounds like i can sit there in my living room and watch it on tv and be like well that's a reasonable explanation i don't know right. so when <laughs> right. just because some guy on the other side of the world gets up and says no that guy's the bad guy well i bet you that like Stalin and Mussolini and Hitler would tell you who the bad guy was right. too, but we probably didn't agree with their assessment. So, right. um, you know, I try to take those things with a grain of salt. You have to, just because we, like, like you said, we don't know, right? And I know that during uh, Barack Obama's tenure, they really amped up bombings in Yemen mm-hmm. and enabling uh, the Saudis to to fight that war, right? Um, so, I'm assuming there's Which a reason always behind to it. Barack, my biggest. Criticism. Uh, <laughs> there was like a huge criticism of mine throughout the whole thing. I didn't like. I, here's my thing, and one thing you'll come to know about me is that I'm not a fan of Saudi Arabia, yep. and I'm not a fan of Israel. And yep. I now you might say, well, Brandon and Mitch, you just stated that those are our two best friends in the Middle East. Anti-Semitic. <laughs> yeah, they are, <laughs> but I don't know that they should be. Um, right. You know, so I under I don't I understand like I said, the I have strategic the personal, yes, adva- advantage. That's, that's exactly right. Um, that's that's kind of where I sit. I understand that this is why we're doing it. Right. I don't particularly love it. Right. 
But but yeah. you know that that's kind of. I assumed if Obama was doing it, there was a reason that he you know wouldn't just decide to help uh, Saudi Arabia bomb Yemen in because the, they did it quite a bit. Like right. they were dropping bombs. Yeah, I don't a lot. think that Barack Obama is the kind of guy that is like. Oh, you're killing innocent people? Here, let me help. Now, Donald Trump, on the other hand. <laughs> Every day. <yeah. laughs> Every day. He's killing bitches, killing pussies. Right. <laughs> um, so. so another, moving on back to the G7 summit here. It says uh, Trump finally took a position on Russia. So while the G7 allies uh, weren't able to nail down Trump's stance on the Paris Climate Accord, which he said he's going to be releasing next week, they did get some more clarity on the administration's position concerning sanctions against Russia. So uh, apparently they said that we were not uh, we're not lowering our sanctions on Russia. If anything, we're probably going to look to get tougher on Russia. Uh, finally, the final G seven communicate. Let's just clarify though that statement came a day after they said we don't have a position on Russia. Right. Yeah. So they originally so came out and were that like, was a we're clean not, up we're statement. We're not doing it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. you know, and really, and Russia, it used to be a G eight summit. Right. So Russia used to be involved well, in yeah, these meetings. Well, yeah, until Russia decided that Crimea was theirs, and then yeah. they... Historically, it is. But for the past, like, 20 or 30 years or there, it wasn't. Right, but we're not... I'm just saying... We're, not, yeah. we're not supporting the rebuild of the Soviet <laughs> Union like Putin's trying to, right. to I'm accomplish. I'm just saying, for me, so. that's a contentious issue. Like I said, it's 90% Russian. It's historically a Russian it's part of Russia. So. Ask Crimea if they're part of Russia. I uh, bet you they'll tell you that we'll they're see. not. The big thing about <laughs> so. Crimea is that it's very oil-rich, and that's why they kind of... They basically took it from Russia as a... Took it away from Russia as a slap on the wrist and whenever Russia was weak. And so now they, they want it back because obviously that, that helps their economy. Right. So I understand – to me, that's a very weird and, and sticky issue when it comes to it. I understand that we shouldn't – I don't know that you can just go – like you can't just take it though. Like there's an issue <laughs> with it was just taking take it. From, I mean to me it, it, it's it was, weird. Yeah, but it wasn't taken from them forcefully. It was taken I mean, politically it, yeah. from them. Well, they just weren't weak enough to defend it. Right. Or, so or they I'm, weren't strong enough to defend it. They were too weak. Yeah, but it wasn't taken with armies. It was taken with papers. Uh, it, it, like yeah. there are agreements that yeah. happened that made that yeah. what I'm saying but it was is backed when, up with like when you send a military in and you take <laughs> it like now you've right. crossed a line that you don't cross right. if there's a paper trail. <laughs> so right. again, like I said, for me, my argument there. Yeah, and I, I totally understand it. To me, it's a little bit. I don't stickier, mind. But. Like I don't have an opinion on whether Crimea should be separate or part of Russia. I just don't think that countries should go in with militaries and be like, "Well, <laughs> this is mine now." Annexed. Hey, what Mexico. Up? You know what? We're not going to build a wall. You're just us now, <laughs> and you're going to pay taxes. Well, we did do that do with Texas and, um, and all the other places. So we have done that in the past. Yeah, but but regard, regardless, for like twelve bucks, so. <laughs> <laughs> right? So regardless, um, that's kind of why what they were doing. They've been throwing sanctions at Russia before the annexation of Crimea. Uh, they kicked them out of the G eight summit, became a G seven summit. So the final communique, which I'm assuming is the final script, basically of these are the things that we affirm to the these countries, was maintained a hard line on Russia. Donald Trump signed off on it. Mm -hmm. So we finally have something in writing where he's saying we're going to be tough against Russia, which right. obviously he's been looking for better ties. The whole Russia thing has been kind of muddling that so where he can't really talk to Russia without it looking shadier than it already does. Mm -hmm. So I think that in this hypothetical world that we like to live in with the Russia thing, Ru Russia got screwed it, on that deal. Like, literally, <laughs> so. like... Five seconds after you said shadier than it already does. Like, it does look hypothetical, shady. But by the way, right. it's probably like there's, didn't no, yeah, there's no doubt that things look shady, whether that constitutes to something ever happening. 
Well, it's totally it's a totally different story, right? And I agree with you on that. And like I said, if nothing happens, and I've maintained this, right. if if there's nothing there, Democrats move on because there's nothing there. Right. But you have to admit that it looks shady. Of course, it, it looks shady. It, it looks I mean, shady. You're going to hear that every time, right? I think that they're making it look shadier than it actually is. Like when they bring up the Jerry Kushner thing, and they're like, "Breaking news." He's not being investigated. Yeah, but then what? But, kind of, but then we had another anonymous source say that um, what they were trying to like do something technological with Russia, like set up um, some sort. Some, I heard that was the thing, and I didn't. I didn't put too much stock into it. Know. When they get evidence, I'll, I'll pay attention. All I know to is it. that when Jared Kushner and Steve Bannon are wearing matching orange rompers in jail, <laughs> then um, what the hell is that? We'll, we'll talk about that later. The romper, <laughs> yeah, romper. Yeah. Anyway, so. Dudes. The final Come point. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Go back to this Frank Sinatra days. That, that, <laughs> right. that fashion was cool. Anyway, for the final point there was that Trump was hoping for a uh, reset, but he at least uh, he got to avoid trouble at home for a week. <laughs> right. So he didn't. It wasn't a reset. No. CNN is still on the Russia thing, and you know we're still moving forward with it. Well, and and all did that. you see when he got? When he landed back in D.C., like he literally no, gets off yesterday. the plane. He, let, he gets off the plane with Melania. They, literally, he does his. He get walks to the door, does his wave, comes down, salutes the Marines, and it, it takes maybe five steps. And this reporter is like, "Mr. Trump, did Jared Kushner?" Know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, God damn it! I'm going back to Saudi Arabia. <laughs> right? So I was just like, man, they're they're just gonna bury it. Like, they're oh, they're not gonna let him. He right. can't. He can't get away from it for one second at home. So like, it had to be such a breath of fresh air to just go right. away and be like, man, I'm not taking questions. I'm not doing anything. Exactly. The second I step back on American <laughs> soil, and man, I'll yeah. be damned if the New York Times didn't miss that beat. No, so, no. And, so. and so he, was, yeah, he was definitely looking to kind of get. He did get away from it. Yeah, and like he, I said, he it did. did look good. I think that there's some people, like we said, if. They were looking for it to be a slam dunk. If you already don't like him, you think it wasn't because there was the weird orb and the hand slapping from, <laughs> from the Pope. <laughs> I think that if there, if you like Donald Trump, you think it was it was great. But the Russia thing is is he didn't get away from it. So no. now that we're coming back into it, we're going to see it. Right, and we yeah we will. And you know I didn't really expect anything different. We talked about it while he was a few days ago while he was in the middle of the foreign trip and. Um, you know, I I said just wait because five days from now they're gonna be talking about Russia again. <laughs> so anyway, right. but final thoughts. I think that it was a successful trip. I think that it definitely showcased um, America first. I think there were some stupid moments mm-hmm. where he's pushing people. Don't do that, yeah. Montenegro. I mean, I don't know much about them, but maybe don't throw their leaders aside. <laughs> right, America first. I uh, yeah, I I, I would, think it was I think it was a win though. I think that it. I would conclude the like the my conclusion on it was it was just kind. Of, I I'm not gonna call it a wash because that's like a demeaning. Um, and I'm not trying. It didn't to matter. Be, I'm not trying to belittle. We got it good at things all. out of it in, in got, Israel. We got good things out of it in Saudi Arabia. There was we got projected good things yeah. out of it. Now what I will say is that like you're never gonna hear somebody say like oh you. $350 billion arms deal is going to create jobs. Those jobs are good things. I don't know if if the if the way we got those jobs right. is, the, is the best way. I will tell you if you're investing, like Lockheed Martin is probably where you want to put your money right now. <laughs> right. Um, to me, when it comes to, it goes back to arming the rebels. 
that we thought that was a good idea. Mm -hmm. It wasn't. And the big so, argument there was we don't know who the rebels are. Right. We know Saudi Arabia. So we know what they're supposed to be using the the weapons for. So I think it's a good deal. I would but like who to knows? know though that the the one thing that I had that the one question that hasn't been answered, um, as Donald Trump was walking out of his meeting with the Pope he was overheard saying that like i will never forget what you told me um and i would like to know what that is um <laughs> i really would like yeah. i would like to know what the pope said to him that because i think because the pope's holding a grudge statement, too, he, he went against him in the campaign too that or, statement though like i'll never forget what you told me was seemed very genuine and seemed very and so i would be interested in how that conversation finished that was trump or saying that, that to that was, the pope yes and mm. so i'd be interested in in knowing what that was and we may never find that out yeah um hopefully somebody closer to trump than me asked that question right. because i would like to i would really be interested in in what that was right. but i don't think it was a I, i'm not going to be one of those liberals that tells you this was a horrible trip it, it i don't think it was a horrible trip i would like to see the, i would like to follow the paper trail of the money in saudi arabia and see right. where that goes um or not, i think it's a more sure bet weapons. than arming the rebels I, I would like to follow the weapons in yeah. saudi arabia and see where they go um i who is a uh, man who is the attorney general eric holder Fast right. And yes. And I <laughs> thought trackers in the weapons. Oops, we forgot them. Yeah. No, I thought of that as I was saying it, and like, <laughs> but I would like to see where those weapons go yeah. because I would like to know if the next time this deal presents itself, if we should take it. Right. Because the fact of the matter is, if those weapons do go to places that they shouldn't go, then we should not make this deal, even if it's right. You know, I don't know how politically feasible it is. But I think any weapons we sell should have trackers in them so we can see where they're going. Yeah. And they should have little explosives put in them. So if they <laughs> fall into the wrong hands, we go, boop, you ain't using them. <laughs> You're not using them. We're blowing your shit off. That's probably <laughs> completely un improbable. But right. I think that's what should happen. We're going James Bond. James right. Bond now. So anyway, right. I think in conclusion, the week was a week for him to get away from yep. from stuff. Um, he did that successfully while he was away. Yep. Um, it's back now. Yeah, now uh, he's back. So um, we'll see what happens at this point. You know, but I, I don't think it was a. I don't think it was a horrible trip. It, right. it, it was decent. So. I do want to start with this budget because you know there was a lot in there and and you know you can you can pick it apart it, it basically leaves the overall budget the same even though they talk about cuts but Chris let me start with you there was definitely language and a way of looking at spending in terms of taking it from the taxpayer and giving it to someone else that, that we don't really hear put that way quite often absolutely uh, if conservatives were lukewarm or even upset about uh, Trump care and the health insurance plan and all that jazz uh, this is something that will make them stand up and cheer mm -hmm. this is the most conservative con conceptually conservative I think you've nailed it it's not about the dollars it's about the concept of what this what the scope and role and appropriate place for the federal government is in American life yeah. this is the most conservative by those standards the most conservative budget ever put forward by a chief executive. All righty. So another big thing that happened this week is Trump put out a budget. And it's going to kill your children. <laughs> if you are on social media, you'll know that everyone is going to die from this budget. They've told you millions and millions you've, of times. You've seen the, the political ad where 
Paul Ryan, I believe it was, pushes grandma off a cliff. Yeah. Well, it's a stroller in this scenario. <laughs> and, you know, same, same deal, though. Like, you don't have to reshoot it. Right. So I've got issues with this budget, and there's things of it that I like. So I, I made a thing here, and I'm just going to read from my notes to kind of go over some of the, the things that, that stuck out to me. And I'll point out that all of his feelings are wrong. <laughs> um. So I went to the tax policy center. Racist. Because... <laughs> To kind of, you know, get a good idea of what they were thinking. I know the CBO hasn't really come out and said anything. Uh, they've, they've dropped little things here and there, but they haven't come out with a full assessment of it yet. At least it's not on their website because I went to their website and the last one on there was from 2016. So I'll just read from here real quick. It says the Tax Policy Center estimates the proposal would reduce the federal revenue by $9.5 trillion over its first decade and an additional $15 trillion over the subsequent uh, 10 years before accounting for added interest costs and considering macroeconomic feedback effects. So that's a big deal because anytime that we're cutting revenue from it, it means we're going to start having bigger deficits. And $9.5 trillion over the first decade is a huge, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a huge portion. Yeah. Uh, so it comes out to the first year cost would be $950 billion in reduced federal revenue. Um, which, again, the big, uh, the, another so big thing. So how does that get reduced? Like, what do you mean? Where, like, I'm not an economics guy mm-hmm. like you are. Um, so when the Tax Policy Center estimates that the proposal would reduce, how, where does that number come from? How are they reducing revenue? They're coming from the tax cuts. Okay. So th- whenever this... So that's, so they're, they're taking in less money. Right. Right. So the federal government doesn't have as much revenue coming gotcha. in. Therefore, and the budget itself is still, I think for, for 2017 is still at like 4.1 or $2 trillion. Mm-hmm. Which is about on par with previous budgets. Okay. The problem is that we don't take in $4.1 trillion, and this budget is going to slash uh, tax rates across the board. So Every single person is going to see a tax cut. So you're really looking at exploding the deficit. Well, it, de- it depends on what happens. And the big thing here to remember is it said uh, this is before accounting for added interest cost, which would hurt us because obviously interest on the debt is a huge portion of, of what that's a big thing along with the Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security things that we have to pay. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously adding more debt, you're going to have to pay more interest on it. But <laughs> right. the other big thing is saying, or accounting for macroeconomic feedback effects. And this is where the Trump budget tries to make up the difference. And this is very much a supply-side economics budget. They are assuming that if you cut taxes for everyone, they're going to have more money. They're going to spend it into the economy, and by cutting it for businesses, they're going to bring businesses back, and therefore, just even so it's going to generate revenue. So essentially, they didn't re- they didn't learn that Reaganomics didn't work. Um, <laughs> well, there's there's limited um, on both sides, and this is the thing about economics that is so obnoxious to me is that you don't actually know. So there's people who can point to it and say, when we cut taxes, uh, people are going to spend more money. And then there's other people that you can say, well, if you cut taxes, people are going to save more money. Mm-hmm. And then there's other places. So you don't really know what's going to happen. And right. so both sides are going to say this is one thing that will happen and we don't actually know. So in 2015, the federal government was estimated to have taken in $3.66 trillion in revenue, seeing an estimated cost to Trump's budget uh, at $4.1 trillion, a loss of $950 billion would produce a $1.39 trillion deficit in the first year. 
At the current writing of this, the national debt is at $19.92 trillion, which would increase it after this year to $21.31 trillion. And if you've been keeping up on any of it, everyone knows that the federal debt is a big issue. Mm. Um, that's not a bad thing to have debt. Every country has debt. But yeah. if it's unsustainable debt, yeah. you're going to have a problem. $22 trillion yeah. seems well, unsustainable. Well, and you have to think of the interest on that debt. And right. that's really what, what kills us. Is it's mm-hmm. not the fact that we have this debt. It's that you have to make that interest payment. Right. Uh, or you default on it. And you can't default because then our country would be in a bad situation. Right. So the proposal would cut taxes at so every income level. Do, well, I'll let you finish this point and then okay. I'll ask. Uh, High-income taxpayers would receive the biggest cuts, both in dollar terms and percentage of income. Overall, the plan would cut taxes by an average of $5,100, or about 7% of after-income. Middle-income households, which is what we are, uh, would receive an average tax cut of $2,700, or nearly 5%. So, you going to go ahead with your your question there? Well, my question... um, was to your earlier point um mm-hmm. which was that oh the the 22 trillion dollars yeah do we ever realistically pay that back like no and we're not we're not supposed to <laughs> every country has debt like kind of like with my credit cards i'm constantly in at least 500 dollars on my credit cards mm-hmm. but it's not a big deal because i pay off at least 200 dollars every month so I'll dip down. Sometimes I only owe $200 on it. Mm. Sometimes I owe more if I need to get car repairs or something like that. It's not a big deal to have debt. It's a big deal if you can't pay off the interest to that debt. Um, and it's a big deal if you... So we're never actually supposed to get to zero. We've right. never been at zero. Okay. And, and most countries never will be. Right. That would be phenomenal if, if an entire country had no debt. Now, in the Bill Clinton years... We were running a surplus, right? Which so we didn't have a deficit, right? And the debt is the accumulation of every deficit each year. Okay. So, so did we still have a debt during Clinton? Yes, we okay. still had the debt, and we were paying we were paying it down, which is great. That increases your your tax ratings. We had AAA tax rating, all mm-hmm. of that. We don't anymore. Um, but just because we were running a surplus doesn't mean the debt goes away. You still gotcha. owe all these countries all the money and right. all of that. And I think that's a, I think that's a good point. To, or I think that's good to point out because I don't think most people would would know that knowledge. No, yeah. like that, I didn't. That's one of the um, first things economics is trying to figure out the difference between a deficit and, and debt. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so again, we're still going to have debt either way we look at it. It's not necessarily a bad thing. I know that a lot of people think of it as a bad thing. It's really it's really not. <laughs> so when I thinking of that, I looked into interest rates and taxes and looking at here, it says the U.S. uh, consumers are the world's greatest users of credit. And this was a a big reason why in uh, 2000 and going into those, we had a big boom in credit Mm -hmm. and people were buying things that they couldn't necessarily afford, but everyone felt richer and things, you know, because they, it was, credit was easier. That Mm -hmm. ended up kind of collapsing. Right. Well, people (laughs) sold bad loans. They did. Um, And when you're going in and you make $21,000 a year and ask for a $120,000 home loan, and they're like, yeah, it's fine. No, you can't pay that back. Don't do that. Luckily for us, now those guys are part of the administration. (laughs) So, so. Yeah, nothing really happened to those guys after the the housing market collapsed for making all those bad decisions. So it says when taxes, uh, when lower taxes. Bernie Madoff has to feel fucked like <laughs> because all those guys just got away like yeah. got away Bernie Madoff has an HBO movie coming out <laughs> about him and his shitty life and like even right. get away like um 
So like it ben says uh, when lower so. taxes increase people's disposable income, they dispose of it either by spending it or and boosting consumption or by saving it, which makes it available for investment. This is a big deal because when it comes to the interest rates for a while there after the collapse, uh, they the Fed kept interest rates at zero. And the reason for that is to push people into the markets, and which is why we've seen the stock market do so damn well over the past 10 years or so since yeah. this has happened. And no one was saving. Now, they just recently brought it up a little bit. And the reason why that's important is because now there's less incentive to go into the stock markets. You can start buying bonds. And when you buy a bond, you are basically the person, the government is the loanee, and you are the loaner. Mm-hmm. And then you create, you get interest on your loan. So if you give them $1,000, you buy a $1,000 bond over 10 years, say the interest rate's 2%, you're going to get money back. Right. So that's important because a lot of people just weren't saving. And mm-hmm. we know that to have a, a stable economy, people need to have money in their savings. Right. Uh, so this is, in theory, this would create more, have people have more disposable income by lowering their taxes, which they could either use to consume more products and stimulate the economy, or they could save it at a higher interest rate now and therefore when the rainy day comes around, they'll have something to fall back on. Okay. So in theory, it's good. In practice. In theory, well, we don't know we in don't practice. Know. Yeah. Um, so it also says, also, if the government spends tax dollars on investment in public infrastructure, such as roads, water treatment, and power generation, then the long-term product, uh, product capacity of the, envi- or the economy increases, which increases long-term economic growth. And this also brings into the point where he's planning on, you've heard about the $1 trillion um, infrastructure bill. Mm -hmm. It's not really $1 trillion. It's actually $200 billion. Can't they just make a coin to pay for that? (laughs) Looking at you, Obama. (laughs) (laughs) We'll just mint a trillion dollar coin. It'll be fine. But the idea behind that is that there's a lot of these infrastructure, uh, these companies that would like to finish up these projects, but they don't quite have the capital to do it. Mm -hmm. And by Doing a $2 billion infrastructure bill, say you give one company $50 million. Well, then they decide that they have enough to do it, and then they end up spending $250 million on new roads or, or different things like that mm-hmm. uh, privately. That stimulates the economy up to $1 trillion now, for an investment of $200 billion. Why do you have companies that, you know, to your point, um, there are companies that have projects that they would like to finish. How do you mm-hmm. start a project without having the funds to finish the project. Well, that's, a, well, that's with almost everything. So like if you do home renovations, you're borrowing that money. Right. You don't actually have the money to do it, but you just it's a sustainable plan to pay that back. Gotcha. Over so, and again, with these infrastructures and, and doing capital for these private uh, companies, they're assuming that they're going to get a return on this. Right. So they improve the situations or the productivity and get new, um, you know, new machinery in their plant. Mm-hmm they can produce a better product. So it's like Roller Coaster Tycoon. You should learn <laughs> you should learn your economics. Except from everyone doesn't die like whenever I played it. <laughs> right. I wonder what happens when you just stop the track in the middle. <laughs> right. So the Trump plan would reduce the, uh, the tax incentive to donate to charity. And that was a big one that stuck out to me because I have mixed feelings about that. I don't I don't like that people can write off their, their charity givings because to me that's not charity. No. And I understand, but at the same time, I understand that if you disincentivize people to donate to charity, less people are going to be donating to mm-hmm. charity. Right. But wh- where I come into the problem with it is, let's say that you really, I don't know, for, you find a, an issue that you like. So you donate a lot of money to it. 
Mm-hmm. Well, maybe someone else doesn't feel Russian the same way as you. investigation campaign. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> maybe someone else doesn't feel the same way as you. Right. But you claim it on your taxes, and now the taxpayers of the, the American taxpayer is now subsidizing your your personal interest. That's a good point. I don't like that. Yeah. Um. So like yeah, it, that is a very interesting point, and I've never thought about it in that sense. But at the same time, I don't want to cut it because I don't want people to stop giving to charity because I believe in charity. I think right. that it's a good thing to do, and it's a it's in our public interest, right? Depending on what it is. Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> like if you're if you're donating to like the God hates fags fund, then right. you know, I have an issue <laughs> then, with that being subsidized. Be, yeah, yeah, because um, I don't believe that. Right, <laughs> so, right. So the highest income, uh, which would be the one percent, the one percent. <laughs> would get an average tax cut of over $275,000. So if you're a Bernie fan, you fucking hate that. <laughs> you don't like that they're getting that, which is uh, 17.5% of after-tax income. That's and the, huge. It is. That is. That's way bigger than I feel like it should be. I have mixed feelings, but um, yeah, I mean, there's no way to get around it. When you cut taxes for anyone, you know, if you cut someone by a percentage point, but they're only paying $500 in taxes, mm-hmm. And then you, someone else is paying five hundred thousand dollars, and you cut one percent for him. He's going to see a bigger tax cut, right? In dollar amount, yeah. So there's no way to really avoid that unless you, yeah. But in percentage, that seems like a high percentage. It is, and it depends on what and what they do with it. So it says the top zero point one percent would get an average tax cut worth one point three million dollars, nearly nineteen percent of the after-tax income. But this is important because I the, feel, the plan. I hear the indivisible left out in the <laughs> out in the yonders, freaking out right what? now, <laughs> shitting their pants. But a big um, point that you have to remember is that because these tax rates are the way they are, a lot of people that have the money, the one point three million, just kind of floating around, just do it off seas. So we don't see that anyway. Mm-hmm. And then you also have to think, take into account that this plan is is wanting to get rid of most tax loopholes and wants to simplify the tax code. And by doing that more of their income becomes taxable. Okay. So instead of seeing you know 15% of actual uh, income actually being taxable because they didn't put it in uh, charitable donations, they didn't do offshore, but then you lower the rate, you're still getting more of it, mm-hmm. uh, which a lot of people have a hard time with that because they think that you know when you cut it from, I think it's 39% now or something like that, and you cut it to 20, or I can't remember what they're trying to cut it to. It, it says it later. Mm-hmm. You would think that you'd get less money, but if you right. cut off all the loopholes... It wouldn't do it. This is something that Mitt Romney was really big on. That was his economic plan, and it looks like it's kind of... And like I told you before, Mitt Romney has to be, like, pissed right now that, like, the last two presidents have both stolen his ideas <laughs> and then just shit on him along right. the way. Like, binders full of women, what? <laughs> um, Never understood that. When it came to Mitt Romney, when it came to his health care, this is why, as a Republican, I believe in the states. I think that Mitt Romney... Massachusetts is a liberal state that was a more liberal healthcare program, but it worked because people were willing to do it. Mm-hmm. I think whenever they sit there and they say, oh, well, that works. And then they tried to to extend that to the entire country. Well, Minnesota is not California. Right. And so as a conservative and a Republican, I don't think that works. And that's why I typically oppose broad across the board things for every state because we're not all the same. There's 50 of us and well, we have very and different economies. And since it's played out, it's shown that it doesn't. It didn't work. It doesn't translate. Yeah, um, it didn't translate like they wanted it to. Right. So middle-income households receive an average tax cut of $2,700, about 5%. On balance, the plan would significantly increase the number of households that would pay no income tax or would receive a income tax refund. So in 2007, uh, it, he, this 
would estimate about 110 million households, which is important because that's not 110 million people. Mm-hmm. That's 110 million households, which could have quite a few people. Mm-hmm. I think we're only at, what, 320 million people in the country? That's a huge yeah. number of people who would be paying no income tax. Um, that's 2017, by the way. That's Well, that's under this plan. Right, right now, it says compared to the 77 million under current law right now. Okay. So it would increase it by quite a few million households. Uh, that would boost the percentage of households paying no income from 44% to 63%. So mm-hmm. if he's trying to do the Obama route and get that 47%, he's increasing it to 63%. Yeah. So that's, a, that's something to look at. That yeah. you know he might be trying to nurture some dependence there, so let me let me pull this. Yeah, up here. I don't know how that's going to play though. I mean, we have three and a half years for like <laughs> Jared Kushner questions every five <laughs> minutes, so I don't know. I think that if people, I think that if if, if and let's be clear, this is a presidential budget which never passes, mm-hmm. no, never ever ever in any of the budgets that Obama came out their wish list, they then go to Congress and then Congress sorts them out. And has their own agenda and priorities. So we're not going to see this version passed. Right. I guarantee it. So, but it, it's kind of what kind of shows well, where he's thinking and it, what he wants to do. It'll be interesting, too, to see where the Republicans are thinking based on what does actually come out. Because, to your point, this is just a wish list. And the Republicans aren't really known to work very well with amongst <laughs> each other. Um, right. So, like, it'll be interesting to see... The multiple factions. Oh, um, we lost the live. We did. Bummer. Um, I guess that's why I should have plugged my phone in. Yep. <laughs> uh, that's all right. Um, yeah. But no, it'll be interesting to see how how that all plays out because Republicans don't tend to work together very much these days. Um, right. And, you know, say what you want about how bad and dumb and ridiculous the Democrats are right now. There's one thing that they are, and it's unified in their hate for Trump. Right. Exactly. So, you know, um, so going to the impact on the labor supply, the proposal would also cut effective tax rates on labor income. So that's wages, salaries, things like that, um, by an average of 7.6% and 14 percentage points to the top 0.1%. So research suggests that the taxes play a small or negligible role on the labor supply decisions. And there's an important reason for that. When tax rates fall, some workers choose to work more because they have a higher reward. They have more take-home pay from it. But also some choose to work less because it's easier to meet consumption goals. So they don't ha- they're not getting taxed as much. They don't have to have a second job. They don't have right. to, to do these things. So it's kind of a wash. You don't really know yeah. what's going to exactly happen. Well, and I mean, if you want to, we won't sum up yet, but if yeah. you want to sum up economics... It's always a wash depending on... It your, is. It's always a wash depending on your perspective because... Right. You and I, if I know more about economics, which admittedly I don't, like that is not to me. That's very sweaty. Like that's yeah. a lot of math. Like that, <laughs> that is stuff. I I don't. I like the political side of those types of things, but economics, mm-hmm. while I appreciate it, admit that I do not fully understand it. What mm-hmm. I will say though is, if I if I did, you and I can present two completely opposite ways of looking at this budget um and both of us can be right depending on what we're pointing at in that sense economics is always a wash getting sweaty about it that is the first off there's two things about economics that i disliked when i was studying it and the first one is that in classical economics they assume every citizen knows economics and they are (laughs) going to make the logic the economically logical 
um, conclusion. Th- mm-hmm. That's what they're going to do, which we know is not true. Right. The other is ceteris paribus, which means all else equal, which is how they do it. So you can basically, in math, you know that if you don't have all the variables, you don't get the right answer. Right. They basically just said it. Let's say we're going to look at this, 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 and this, and all else equal, which isn't true. Right. The, the economy no, is not. extremely complex, and different things can, uh, you right. know, a, a well, viral video could come out and just... It's semantics. It is the definition yeah. of semantics, and it's the same as using um, multiple variables to anything. Your... Let's take your inauguration crowd size, for example. <laughs> Which um, was huge. <laughs> right. So I can see with my eyes that it wasn't what you claimed it was. But if the variable that you're using <laughs> is everybody in the world who was thinking about it, right. then sure, maybe it is the biggest audience. Like, you're full of shit and you just presented <laughs> misinformation. But I, but by your math, you're by right. By your math, you're right. And right. that's economics in a exactly. nutshell. And I, I don't um, like that. Right. Because basically, yeah, you just, you're guaranteed, with the metrics that we use now, you're guaranteed to get the wrong answer. Right. You might just, the trend might well, go the right way. Well, you're guaranteed to get the answer that you wanted to get. Right. You're, you start with the answer and you're trying to fill in the problem right. it's like flipping a coin just being like yeah we'll grow by two percent i right. think we'll grow by four and then whoever ends up being right, right. like i told it's you kind of like the, if, <laughs> if you want to go on to like a philosophical level like any, anything that we claim to know about space right we're using by um right. by earthly terms we're using earthly definitions to describe right there's only know, so far so, we can actually see right so and like then we reach the event horizon yeah, that light has traveled you, and we just don't know you beyond can that tell point. me those x's and o's mean that there's a planet like earth out there but you're <laughs> assuming that everything in space works the way that you know it does on earth and what if it just doesn't right like it could just not and there could be no logical explanation for it the theory right now is that the universe is flat uh-oh. Oh, no. <laughs> it's really hilarious, but yeah, it might just be too big for us to see and we'll never know that we can't see the curvature because it's too big. That's going off on a different topic here, though. <laughs> right. So for we, secondary earners... We like to do that. Right. For lower uh, earning spouses. So these are people where there's a breadwinner and then they have to work a second job to make ends meet, um, which are sensitive to taxes. Uh, a married a person married to a high earner might face a very high marginal tax rate on the first dollar of earning. So basically, now the the breadwinner is making more money because they have more taxes now. If they choose to work, now their their first dollar that they didn't have before is now taxed at this new tax rate of let's say twenty five percent or something like that. Okay, whatever the new income is, well, they might not do it now, so that they might not work anymore because the the marginal tax rate on that first dollar is higher than if they just didn't work because now with the tax cuts, the the household is getting more income than previously than if they had decided to work under the old tax rules. I gotcha. So we don't we don't know if that if that what would happen there. Uh, so by reducing marginal tax rates, the proposal could reduce the disincentive for entering the workforce for secondary income earners. So now let's get to those macroeconomical effects, uh, economic effects rather, because this is where the voodoo starts coming in. Mm-hmm. They're assuming that this is going to create incentives to work. And it does create incentives to work are people going to do it? Well, are there jobs? Well, that's the thing. That, well, we'll get to that too because there's you know? a huge there's a huge shift in corporate tax rates and things like that. Which again, they're assuming people are going to to, to start doing. But we'll get to that in a second. So it says that um, they discussed the impact of an income tax cut on the long term growth rate of the economy. They suggest that the potential effects of a change in the individual tax income can be broken into four parts. 
The first effect, known as the substitution effect, is that lower tax rates increase incentives to work, save, and invest, which is a good thing. Mm -hmm. The second effect, which is the income effect, tends to offset the first, however. Tax cuts raise the after-tax return to labor, savings, and investment, which makes it easier to reach consumption targets, such as paying for college or retirement. So because taxpayers feel richer, some just decide not to work or to save or to invest less because they have more. So those two kind of counter each other out. The third effect uh, of the tax reform stems from whether financial mechanisms are primarily spending cuts or increased federal borrowing. And that goes back to the revenue. Right. If we don't cut spending, but we do cut revenue, it's not going to – you're going to have to borrow. Right. So – Basically, if you know, if I sit there and I say, "Okay, we're cutting a uh, trillion dollars worth of taxes, and we're giving that back to people," but we don't cut a trillion dollars worth of spending, it's not revenue neutral. Which right. is a big—you hear that thrown around constantly in these mm-hmm. economic things—is is it tax revenue neutral? This is not. <laughs> they are planning on doing some cuts, and we'll we'll go into the breakdown of what those cuts look like because there are a lot of little things, um, and and that's the one that that everyone keeps saying is going to kill you. but the reality of the cuts too i would imagine and i haven't really taken a look at it yet we'll get there um but if they're anything like they were before or what we had talked about earlier on in the year um with like cuts to um the parks department and cuts to npr or npr is, is in there right all of that shit though combined what is like two grand like they cut like two grand like <laughs> it's you give like nine dollars to Planned Parenthood yeah, you it give is like millions, 16 yeah, cents it's to millions PBS, of dollars and all that so. but it's not um and we'll, and we'll get into those it's not enough and which is why we're saying that this is not revenue neutral right because you you are cutting taxes way more mm-hmm. um than than you're actually going to cut spending so and you're also talking about potentially going to war in countries so is it has, no one else is, is talking about that. I know that that's... Is history not a good teacher that cutting <laughs> taxes at wartime isn't right. a smart idea? Well, George not, W.? Right. And we're not at war. But you never, ever cut taxes in time of war, which is why we saw what we saw when it comes right. to the Af- Afghani so and Iraqi wars. if something were to happen with North Korea or if you something would have to were to happen taxes. and we had to go into Syria or something, you would have to just scrap this entire idea. In theory, basically, and this is why we saw George H.W. Bush lose re-election mm-hmm. to um, Old Slick Willie, because he came out and he ran on no read my new lips, taxes. no new taxes, right? And then they had the 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 Gulf War, which was nothing. I mean, it was like a, what three days, and it didn't cost any money, but he still raised money for it because you have to, you right. have to pay for the wars that you're doing, and of course, everyone freaked out and and they got rid of him. So going on to the fourth effect stems from the base broadening. Those were simpler times. <laughs> <laughs> I pine for those times. So broadening the base by reining in dis, uh, distortionary tax expenditures reduces the role of taxation in determining the allocation of resources across the economy, which in turn can increase economic output. And this is what we're talking about when we say that we're going to be lowering these tax rates on businesses and things like that, uh, but at the same time lowering deductions. You broaden the base of taxable income and then you could see more economic input because it, it makes more sense to just do things here um 
But we don't know. But we don't know. <laughs> we don't know. At the end of all of these bullet points, we don't know. Right. Um, so, and then they, they say that. So, however, they do point out that some tax expenditures tend to increase with income, meaning that brace broadening can increase the effective marginal tax rates on the additional dollar of earning by raising the cost of some goods and services purchased with that earning. So, for example, state incomes tend to increase with income. Duh. Hmm. You know? Uh where were they at? Thus, the deductibility of state taxes reduces the marginal effect, uh, effective income tax rate, limiting the deduc- deduction as the Trump proposal would do so, would therefore tend to increase the effective marginal rates. So it goes back to how much do you want to be taxed on that first dollar? Right. And, you know, we will have to see when it comes to what people are willing to do, <laughs> if they want to actually do it or not. So the actual effect of tax cuts is an empirical question, and uh, researchers have applied many methods to estimate uh, the impact of the uh, examination of historical examples of tax reform, including shifts between the pre- and post-World War II periods and the tax changes that occurred in 1981, 1986, 2001, and 2003, which suggests little impact of taxes on growth. So this is whenever you hear people say Reaganomics didn't work. Mm -hmm. They're saying that there was an idea behind it that if you cut taxes for the individual, the economy will grow. And according to the four times that they did that previously, there was very little effect. Mm-hmm. It seems that if you cut taxes on corporations, then you start seeing more economic growth because they're, those are the ones that are really – they're hiring people. They're producing the product. It's a much, do, you have, do we have examples of that working? Uh, I don't have specific examples of it working it's because bullshit. because in these periods like 2001 2003 uh, he said was wrong they, they were they cut taxes on individuals so that was broke the back broke, yeah. broke the back of that argument <laughs> <laughs> so yeah when we're seeing the individual tax rates go down we don't typically see that the I wonder good news, if the audience knows who is other than the fact that I've already said it who is the economically um in, endowed and fine <laughs> guy here. Well, and, and like I'll just I'll just sit I'll just sit on my show and not talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's be clear. I'm no expert in economics. I don't. I I took a few classes and I was originally going to go to college for economics mm-hmm. and ended up hating the subject by the time I got out of those classes. I just don't like the way they do it. Yeah. So I do. I find it interesting. Yes, I do. Do I? Yeah, it's interesting. I just. It's interesting. It's interesting for you to do the work and me to go. This is how I feel about it. Right, <laughs> that's very much what it is, you know, because people have their opinions on it. So it says stimulation. Uh, stimulation models imply that deficit finance tax cuts are less effective at promoting growth than tax cuts financed by cutting unproductive government spending. Which we go back into the the programs that he wants to cut, mm-hmm. which are the things that people are very upset about when it comes to education spending. If you look online, liberals are freaking out because he's cutting the Department of Education. Mm-hmm. My argument for that would be it's not working. Yeah. We are spending more and more money on the Education Department, and we are producing a worse result every year. But we need to... Throw more money at it. <laughs> no, we don't need to throw more money at it, but we need to reform that whole thing because we need to make the education system work. And so whether that I, is... I don't know that you necessarily do that yeah. You, I'm going to say something controversial do here by cutting it. Like you don't fix it by cutting. I think you do. Well, to a degree. I'm going to say something controversial here. I think that what has burdened the education system is the idea that everyone deserves an education. I think that everyone is not inclined to education. It, most people, I don't think, are inclined to academics. I think 
I'm okay with. I'm with okay. I well, the, elementary yeah. education. Yes, I think that we should do that, but I think it should go back to promoting things that are practical. I, like I can give you some leeway on higher education, but that's where I, I completely I, think. That I would say that you need to be merit based. You I need to be say that show you have the aptitude. K through twelve. Well, obviously, K through twelve is yeah. We need to yeah yeah. They absolutely. deserve that. Everyone deserves that opportunity. Right. And um, the problem with with the problem with that is that there's no accountability anymore. With child left behind, you see where it used to be. If you failed, you failed. Now right. you don't fail. You just yeah. keep going. And then they say, oh, well, he passed high school, so now he deserves a chance at college. No, he doesn't. He picked his nose the whole time. Mm. Little Jimmy doesn't deserve a chance to, to – I'll say he deserves a chance, but he doesn't deserve other people's money in order to waste it when he's not economic, er, uh, academically inclined. And the problem with it is that we're pushing academics – when we know every, not everyone is an academic mm-hmm. and we're not pushing trade schools, when we know that these are the jobs we actually need, mm-hmm. we need both of them. We need trade jobs and we need the high um, technical technicians right. for these jobs, which will need, you know, things like that, which is why I always said, I am totally fine if you want to, to kind of do what New York did, where they pay for STEM class. Well, they paid for all college. If you show up, if you go to every class, if you complete it, you don't drop out. Otherwise, it becomes a loan. And I'm totally fine yeah, with I'm that. Fine I think that that if you too. show that you're willing to do the work, fine. But just to say everyone deserves to go to college, no, they don't. At least in my opinion. Well, and you def- – I – it does – it does It sounds sound bad. Harsh. Yeah, like, it, it does sound harsh. harsh. The I, harsh reality is that some people are dumb. I'm what, sorry. What – and they can still be useful. Yes, they that, can. That just not in that, academia. Right. That doesn't mean that they're not useful. That means – uh, no, here's my controversial <laughs> statement. That means they should build cars. Car people don't hate me. <laughs> um, it's not about that. They should be hands on. Like they, yeah. they, that's that's my opinion. I I don't hate car people. I'm not. He hates car people. He hates car. You people. heard it. You heard it here <laughs> first. Um, no, but everyone. The 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 problem is that we're we're looking at it and not. I do think it devalues the the degree though it does whenever like, you just let people have it. right whenever it, it becomes a a right that every everybody gets this you well, right well then now now mcdonald's who typically hires 16 year olds who are starting their first job and kind of breaking into this is how work goes right um now McDonald's is flooded with college degrees. Because they don't mean anything. Right, because they don't mean anything. <laughs> and now if you are just that 16-year-old kid who you know, is in high school or whatever and is looking for their first summer job, you're not going to get that job because you have a bunch right. of freaking associate's degrees <laughs> sitting on the manager's right. desk in the back. And why would I hire? And you don't necessarily mean it. I have an associate's degree. I just got an associate's degree. I'm 30 years old or mm. damn near it. I didn't need it to get a career or to have to get income. And I think that they that there's a few things. And I know we're sticking on education here for mm-hmm. a, a bit longer than we probably should. Cause we got a little bit more to go on to. But I think that w- when you get to these people that come in and they say they're not realistic, they say, what do you want to do with your life? Instead of saying these are the jobs in your area that need filling what do you do you want to do one of these things because we don't need gender studies people we, we gotta, don't need we, <laughs> we got to run this shit like the giver and <laughs> like black and white all over the place that's right and this There's is no color. this is what you're going into we decided for you right um, but i think that there needs to be there needs to be more control over it because when you just tell kids what do you want to do everyone wants to be a fucking music oh, you're major not, you're not book smart 
Brain surgeon. Get over there. <laughs> that's what we need. You'll just grow onto it. No big deal. So I think that's kind of the problem there. And if you if you look, we kept seeing uh, graduation rates lowering, 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 and then all of a sudden, no child left behind. Rising, rising, rising. So it makes them say, oh, we spent more money and we're getting a better result. No, we're not. These kids no, don't deserve to pass. No, no child left behind was like every child left behind. <laughs> I can't think of a single person that was like, yeah, this is a good idea. I think right. including George Bush now. Yeah, um, I mean, they, they kind of saw that, that play out. So... I don't even know how we got onto that. I don't think Common Core <laughs> is doing anything better, though. Oh, it went to unproductive government spending, so that's it. So I know that they're freaking out about cutting ed- education. I think we'll have to see where it goes because school choice and things are, are something that I do believe in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it says, cross-country comparisons of changes in output and changes at top marginal tax rates suggest little to no impact on tax growth. We already heard that and saw that. The Congressional Budget Office did come out and projects total non-interest outlays in 2025 of about $5.3 trillion. So first off the bat, when you're looking at 2025, just disregard it. Everything's going to change at that point. This budget, first off, this isn't going to pass. World War Three will have happened. Um, <laughs> this budget isn't going to pass. Whoever the next budget is is not going to be obsolete by the next year. Mm-hmm. Every budget projects 10 years and then 10 more years, and it's never worth anything mm-hmm. because things change from a year-to-year basis, and they have to pass new budgets. So... Uh, let's see here. But it does go on to say that Congress would need to cut projected program spending by 21% to prevent this plan from adding to the deficit in 2025. Uh, if Congress eliminated all defense spending about, uh, uh, blah, 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 about 0.7 billion, that it could seem right. That's the extra spending. Oh. It could not meet this goal. It would need to cut discretionary spending by 82% or Medicare or Social Security spending by 41% to offset the direct revenue Yeah, so that's loss. not going to happen. No. And this is where people, people keep bringing up that there's a true trillion, $2 trillion math error. No, there isn't. They're just assuming that this is going to stimulate growth. And so the money isn't – you can't empirically look at it and say mm. this is where the money is coming from because it hasn't happened yet. And, and so – Looking at it, if they said, okay, well, if we're going to cut these taxes, well, we would have would to cut you, this much spending. Then what would you call it? If it, So I would say you're right when you say it's not necessarily a $2 trillion math error, but you're accounting for something that, that is you're, you're grasping in the dark. You are literally closing your eyes and going, I hope this happens. Two, $2 trillion. <laughs> boop. Like, and, if, and if it doesn't, then it right. is a $2 trillion math error. So what do you it call is, it at this point? It isn't, it isn't, because every every single budget projects growth. Okay. So it, now the they are more optimistic, and we'll get to that part coming up here pretty soon, where most of these other places have said that they're looking at about 2% economic growth, not 3%, which is where this money is coming from. Gotcha. So most people are sitting there saying, no, it's not going to create that much growth. Donald Trump is sitting there going, trust me, it will. <laughs> So it's going to be so much growth. Right. But the thing to remember is no one knows. Mm. We don't actually know. So the House bill will roll back Obamacare with Trump enthusiastically, uh, which Trump enthusiastically backed the repealing of it, which would lead to about 10 million poor people losing insurance. I'm telling you, politically, Democrats should be jumping. Like they should (laughs) be they should be jumping up and down and cheering this on politically, not 
they should be jumping up and down and stomping their feet <laughs> if you're looking at what it's going to do. But politically, I mean, there's a reason that they serenaded the Republicans. Right. Um, now, this is because isn't... literally Donald Trump is taking responsibility for health care. Yeah. And now this is important because it says a growing body of evidence suggests that the Medicaid expansion has improved public health. But conservative Republicans have been trying for decades to cut back the program, arguing that it is ineffective and too expensive. And the big issue with Obama and the Medicare, uh, Medicaid expansion, rather, is that it expanded it above the poverty line. Mm-hmm. This is supposed to be, if you're a conservative, an old school conservative, you don't see that as the government's issue. The government isn't supposed to provide a safety net. It is supposed to provide defense. Although now... Now it has to. Now it has to. Otherwise, you know, quite like they said, you're putting a bunch of poor people down. Right. But poor does not mean impoverished. Well, and that's what we said from the beginning with Obamacare. In 2009, you and I sat in a basement somewhere and said, well, this is it now. Like, this is the new system now. Because I don't care what Republicans tell me for the next seven years about repealing it. They're not going to. Because if they do, they're gonna they're going to take insurance away from people. Right. And that's not gonna play. So this is not I I can't guarantee because I just can't, but I would think this is something that's not gonna make it in the final final version. Mm-mm. You're not gonna be able to I would think that if Donald Trump was smart, he would not want to repeal he promised Obamacare. That, during his campaign that he wasn't going to. He said, I'm the only uh, conservative that will not cut Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security. Right. He's not cutting Medicare. He's not cutting Social Security. In his budget, he's cutting Medicaid. Mm -hmm. So we'll see if it actually happens or not. Well, you saw those reports over the weekend with people that live in like i think it was like appalachia but it was like an area where it typically votes democratic and um this time overwhelmingly voted for donald trump um and like they're doing a bunch of interviews this weekend like he's taking my medicaid (laughs) Um, (laughs) like they're they're not like it, he will lose some people. Over and this that. is the very next point here. It says healthcare cuts in the budget would reduce funding in many states that voted decisively for Trump, mm-hmm. such as Ohio and West Virginia, including for opi- opioid addiction treatment, which is blows my mind because you know that that was a big thing. The yeah. state, uh, or the the joint um, congressional which, speech, he brought that up, and I was like, whoa, I want to hear more about well, this. Well, and that. I'm sorry, but that, that pisses me off. That sucks. Like yeah. there is an epidemic in America right now. Right now. Right near. <laughs> right near. <laughs> right near. Right near. <laughs> um, <laughs> heroin. Heroin is at the. It, it, it's the exploding. It touches everyone. Usage. Yes, like it's insane how how many cases we hit here, and even close to us. Yeah, I don't hang out with a bunch of shitty people. <laughs> I ha- but I do know a lot of people who have been affected personally yeah. by heroin. Whether I don't personally, but I hear about it at work where they say like someone's daughter or someone else, right. someone's friend's daughter, and they were like, she had everything going for her. Everyone, yeah, these are people that aren't. I know people who have lost multiple people in their life, and yeah. it's and like, it, has, it goes directly back to pharmaceutical. Uh, over prescribing oxycodone and and right. things like that, but but that other than the fact that his promise was to expand those programs to help people with those addictions, um, just even if that wasn't his promise, this would piss me off a little bit because yeah. like this is something that we need and like we really need this. We need to get on top of this because this is what crack was in the 1980s yeah. is what heroin is now and like 
people are dying and the yeah, country society deal. is getting really sick from this right um so, so I, I I really have a personal issue with with those things being cut. Right. Um, so here's kind of a, a rundown of the things that are are going to be getting cut. Uh, Department of Labor, you're seeing a 19.8 percent budget decrease. Department of the Interior, 10.9 percent decrease. Department of State and International Aid, which is a huge one I know for even Republican uh, senators. He was saying, do not cut our, our international aid. It's not that that big of the budget. I mean, if you look at it, it's, you know, almost $40 uh, billion, which sounds like a lot. Mm. But in the span of, you know, $4.1 trillion budget, it's not. And they, they claim that it's doing quite a bit. He wants to cut that by nearly 30%. Uh, Department of Justice, down 3%. Yeah, get rid of all those agents investigating me. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We just they chose the, their side. We just cut those guys. Department of Housing and Urban Development. Mr. Uh, ben Carson there is getting a 13.2% budget decrease. Racist. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> Department of Homeland Security is going to see an increase, which I have a problem with and I don't because I don't think we need it. At the same time, I think that is the direct responsibility of government. So mm-hmm. I understand that, okay, that's good. They should be spending money on that. Department of Education is getting a 13.5% decrease. Um, again, we've talked about that briefly yeah. er- earlier. I don't have a problem with it because I don't think the, the funds are being used effectively. I just think, though, that they can't stop there. They have to yeah. fix the education system. Now, understand we too. we need a working... Yeah, education system that actually works for the people because that benefits us as a society. Right. Now, so, I am touched by by this more so. The, I know the big thing that they they levy uh, liberals levy at conservatives are these are going to hurt children with IEPs and whatnot. Full disclosure: I have a child with an IEP. Mm. She has a lot of of services that I get through the the school mm-hmm. that I don't want to see cut. But at the same time, I think if you look at the overall education system, I can't ignore that it's not working in its current right. state. So, yeah. So, I mean, I don't disagree with you. I just my personal hope would be that you don't just cut it and stop there. You find a way to reform it and right. maybe get rid of Betsy freaking DeVos. Um, <laughs> well, we'll see. At this point, I want to see what she's going to do, because if this ends up working, and things start doing better, these, um, you know, we'll have to see when it comes yeah. to school choice. It's really, that is a microeconomic. The uh, unfortunate thing is that the Department of Education is a macroeconomical, right. uh, economic, I keep saying economical, economic <laughs> uh, thing where you look have to look at it over a very... At least very, you held yourself accountable, though. I love yeah. accountability. <laughs> um, you have to look at it from a broad spectrum, but when it comes to school choice, that's very microeconomic effect where it's going it to affect individuals, mm-hmm. where now this kid has the aptitude for education and so he's going to be better off maybe little jimmy his parents are pretending he has the aptitude and they're going to find out he doesn't they should also they should all be given the same i'm sorry to little jimmy's i keep throwing little jimmy under the bus but you against jimmy um (laughs) they should all be given the same opportunity to start though and that's kind of what this does is, is it's going it's switching it over at least from everything that i've read and how i understand it that's switching it first of all clarify not my position as far as commenting on your position right and you would have to admit that like everybody deserves the first few years yeah absolutely in your theory i don't necessarily back mitch's theory on this (laughs) i just want to put that out there but right you know i i wanted to get that it's controversial anytime you say that that some children aren't going to be able to cut it 
they freak out mm. because they want everyone to be smart. And right. I don't think everyone is smart. No, I don't think and so I don't think that it's terrible or a bad thing. But regardless, so that's going to see a cut. Corps of Engineers is going to see a cut, which I don't doesn't make any sense to me because we're trying to do a uh, infrastructure bill, you know. So mm. that doesn't make any sense to me. Environmental Protection Agency, you're going to see a 31.4% decrease. I have mixed feelings on that. I think that they waste a lot of funds. So I'm okay with it being cut in a certain sense. But I also think that I like the environment. Right. <laughs> and, you know, I don't want to see anything go down with that. Yeah. Trump hasn't been the biggest friend of climate change. <laughs> um, no, he hasn't. So that doesn't help him with liberals um, by by any sense sense of the imagination but uh yeah so i don't know yeah department of transportation again you're seeing a, a cut i don't know what that means you know i don't you know can fire everybody at the dmv by me <laughs> <laughs> um if that's if that's it right. uh that's fine department of defense would have a 10 percent increase again i feel like that is the specific duty of the government so i'm all for that Department of Veterans Affairs is going to also see a 6%, nearly 6% increase, yeah, which no one no is against gonna, that. No. Everyone has realized. I will realized, say, though, with the defense spending, like, I don't have it, so much of an issue with it, I guess, as long as I can see where it goes. You have to rein in the contractors, and I've been saying that for if it a goes, lot of years. If it goes to... Things are too expensive and inflatedly expensive. Well, and if, you, like, if you're just making more tanks to go sit somewhere that aren't being used, then I don't think you need the increase there. So I'd like to see where the money is actually going. Yeah. Um, and that takes time. But I, no, I, I get that. And, but I do agree with you that that is the, that is the job of the government. So mm-hmm. as long as you can explain to me why we need this and where it's going, then yeah. I don't have, you know, too many qualms right. about that. So. Now you hear me rail on CNN quite a bit. No. Because <laughs> I don't like them I very that much. That was like your favorite channel. channel of <laughs> it choice. was, it was for a, a long time. But I do commend them for doing this. They Not only did they go in detail as to what uh, you're going to see, but they gave the reasoning that the, that behind it. Okay. Um, so this isn't necessarily, because when I read this, it sounds like this is a CNN's endorsement. This is in quotations from the Trump administration. This is their reasoning for why they're doing it. Chemical Safety Board, the U.S. Chemical Safety and Hazard Investigation Board, the CSB, is proposed for elimination consistent with the administration's efforts to close programs that are largely duplicative of other agency efforts. So their reasoning for because when I heard Chemical Safety Board, chemicals are dangerous. (laughs) That sounded like something that we should probably be funding. But apparently their reasoning is that there's other efforts in other agencies that are basically, um, you know, taking care of this. Right. Uh, Corporation for Public Broadcasting, this is what we see here. Uh, Their reasoning for cutting this is the budget proposes the elimination of federal funding for the corporate uh, Corporation for Public Broadcasting, uh, CPB. Uh, It represents a small share of the total funding for the Public Broadcasting Service, PBS, and the National Public Radio, NPR which primarily rely on public donation or private donations to fund their operations to conduct an orderly closeout of the federal funding. The budget request uh, $30 million, which includes funding for the personal cost of 16.2 million retail cost of 8.9 million and other costs totaling 5.4 million. And I completely agree. I think that I know that was a big one on social media. They were like, he's trying to cut NPR and PBS and we need these and whatnot. They get so much of their funding from private Mm -hmm. and let's be honest npr doesn't like trump and they don't like the the government and all that i don't see why they should pay for it 
all they do is just talk shit on them the whole time, and they they don't need the money. I mean, if anyone has listened to NPR, you know that they are going to badger you for weeks at a time to get their money. And when we look at it, I mean, it's $30 million that we can cut. That we It isn't necessarily – you know what I mean? It's not like it's promoting – I. <sighs> I don't know. I, it seems like it's promoting their agenda. You know what I mean? Like we're giving them federal money so that they can talk about their own opinions. Well, I think and that doesn't make sense to me. Well, I think that I don't know. I would like to see <laughs> what NPR does um, because there are a lot of like I think if you step outside, do we need to pay thirty million dollars for? Wait, wait, don't tell me. And, and <laughs> I wouldn't give them thirty, but I'd give them a bunch. I like that show. <laughs> um, but what I but what I would say is like I would like to see what else NPR does. Um, because if you step outside of NPR's political analysis, which mm-hmm. I tend to disagree with you, like they do uh, their journalism side of it, like their mm-hmm. web pay, their web articles and whatnot do seem. Even when I was listening to it on the radio, I felt like it skewed liberal. See, I didn't. Like, I, it does a little bit, depending on who was hosting whichever show you're talking about. But I feel like they still try to present a very, like, this is what, if they're, if better, they're talking and, and about politics, they'll, they'll talk about, like, this is how this side, they very much try to stay in the middle, at least. Now, they may, they may give you, um, Let's say that they have a panel show, right? They might put mm-hmm. three liberals on it and one conservative, or two liberals and then the liberal host and then a conservative. So they're skewing it in that way. But they, the host usually, at least in my experience, still stays outside of it and presents it as this is what this side thinks and yeah. this is what this side thinks. They don't I didn't, tend to take so much of their own. I think ne- where the problem comes in is that they do do – kind of what you you've described but more often than not when i was listening they didn't present that other side or they underrepresented the other side and yeah. then when you do it that way it comes out looking like the in, the outcome that the left wants is the true outcome and i i feel like they get underrepresented they underrepresent the conservative uh, viewpoint maybe but the but especially in this specific day and age mm-hmm. the conservative viewpoint and the trump supporter viyoint aren't always the same thing that's true um but again I just don't so think it's hard to, it's so it's hard to represent somebody who is a smaller percentage of right the larger population well and, and um, to be honest, I mean, I if think you're looking at conservatives in like I think they're, they're increasing the the defense by 30 million dollars or so so like I'm totally fine so they're literally just cutting uh wait wait don't tell me and just throwing it into the guns that they're giving to saudi arabia (laughs) that's good i Uh, don't think it's bad (laughs) so national endowment for the arts i know i saw a couple people online that were railing against that uh the budget proposes to begin shutting down the national endowment of the arts in 2018 giving the notable funding support provided by private and other public sources and because the administration does not consider that any nea activities as its core federal responsibilities and i could not agree more i do not think that is the government's position to promote art that doesn't make sense to me i love art i i I love everything with art i'm a music maker i like everything Mm -hmm. about it why is the government funding it i don't get it history History is fun. <laughs> <laughs> Just throwing History. out answers. <laughs> History. I don't know, man. Right. Do and you know what the Mona Lisa is? Well, somebody funded that <laughs> shit. So that's all I'm saying. 
So again, like I just, I don't think it's their job and I, I totally agree with their reasoning for cutting it. Like it doesn't, you know, I understand that we like it. I, my, my thing here, and like if you're watching TDAW, the webcast, um, if, no, if you're if you're watching on YouTube and whatnot, you see a lot of facial expressions when I'm not talking over here. My <laughs> my thing here is that with some of these cuts, it it doesn't personally bother me, but I'm I'm not going to take a position because I would like to see. First of all, I don't know enough about what where mm-hmm. all this money goes currently. Secondly, you know the the administration can present or Congre- Congress can present. Well, if you cut this money, this is what it's going to do. But until I see that, then I go, well, is PBS hurting me? <laughs> like, <laughs> is PBS, like, I like PBS. I, like, I, I don't, think they're fine. I don't know. So I just, like, there's a lot of... I don't of, know if think we should be paying for it, per se. But Well, if it benefits us to not pay for it, like, I guess I would like to... That's where I kind of reserve myself. Well, it's going to save money. So like, you have to depend on where where's that so, money going at right, that point. Yeah. Which... You Which know. I'd like to see it. Like that's well, it's not like they have it marked. It's not like this is the dollar that's going here. I mean, or they have serial numbers. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, they so could. They could. Right. So we're gonna skip the department. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Writing notes. Yeah. Secret secrets are no fun. <laughs> they hurt everyone. Department of Energy. Um, anyway, we 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 could go through every single one of these and, and get the reasoning for them, but I think we pretty much did a good a good job there. I'll, I'll conclude this now at this point. So, in conclusions for this tax, um, this budget, Trump's tax reform plan. In conclusion, we don't know. <laughs> right. Trump's tax reform plan would boost incentives to work, save, and invest, and has the potential to simplify the tax code. By lowering marginal tax rates and further limiting or repealing many tax expenditures, it would reduce the incentives and opportunities to engage in some forms of wasteful tax avoidance, offshoring and all of that. Mm -hmm. However, the plan could increase incentives for workers to characterize themselves as independent contractors and take advantage of a lower tax rate on business income, which would bring in less revenue, unless new rules were introduced to prevent this. The, uh, The proposal would cut taxes on households at every income level, but much more of a share of income at the top. Fundamental concern uh, the plan poses is that being extor- barring extraordinarily large cuts in government spending or future tax increases, it would yield persistently large and likely unsustainable budget deficits. Um, so I went into this $2 trillion um, math error, but I think we already covered that. Yeah. Um, um, some parts of the, the budget do seem to contradict itself, uh, which is kind of another claim that they were making. So some parts, uh, one example of this is citing that we will abolish the death tax, which is, if anyone doesn't know, they tax um, as soon as, if you have an estate of, I think, $500,000 or more, which includes your house, any cars you might mm-hmm. own, all, all those, your equity, everything that you'd have, boom, you're hit with, with the estate tax, which is why they call it the, on the point of your death, which is why conservatives call it the death tax, because you're literally taxed for dying. Mm-hmm. And then they, they take a, a, it was at 1.50%. I don't know what it is right now. It is some bullshit. Though. I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just like, oh, well, you can't, you have too much money, so we're going to take it because you're dead. And so they're claiming they want to abolish that. However, later in the tax plan, they account $350 billion of, of revenue generated by this tax they want to abolish. There right. are some math errors. Yeah. Is it $2 trillion? I don't think so. But I can understand why some people empirically look at it and say, where it, is this? It's just, too, it's just because you – it's because it's a shot in the dark, right? Yeah. Like they know – they know what can happen from this. They just don't know what will happen. And until they know what will happen, then, you know, 
Yeah. It, it, you can you can understand why that number comes up. This yeah. could be a two trillion dollar error. It, <laughs> it might could not be. be. We're just um, assuming that the economy is going to grow. Right. So um, we're gonna have to wrap it up here because we're almost at an hour. I know we didn't really get into the corporate tax rates or anything like that, but uh, right. well, obviously there's going to be another budget. There's going to be a Senate um, proposed budget and things, and we can get more into that. I just like talking about budgets. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. So yeah. I think in that's... in conclusion, we're gonna have to wait and see. <laughs> I, I don't think this is gonna pass. Obviously, it, it never does. No, I, I don't think it will either. And I think that whatever budget does pass will probably kill your babies. So, <laughs> <laughs> on that, we agree. We do. <laughs> We also heard that Joe Lieberman, a Democrat, is being interviewed as a candidate for FBI director. Chris, you first. What would you think of that? Yeah, good choice? Seems, uh, oh, I, I would not suggest it was a good choice. No, he's a, a political figure. He's uh, uh, now former senator. He is a, a lifelong Democrat, independent at the end, but caucusing with Democrats. And he doesn't have a law enforcement background or an FBI background or a Department of Justice background. But other than that, he'd be ideal. We'll talk to you about that later. Yeah, but you're not going to be talking. I'm just curious. Okay, speak with Shane, please. I'm sick and tired of you guys. The last guy that came in here, you did the same thing. Get the hell out of here. Get the hell out of here. The last guy did the same thing. You were the guardian? Yes, and you just broke my glasses. You last guy did the same damn thing. You just body climbed me and broke my glasses? Get the hell out of here. Like me to get the hot I'd also like to call the police. Last week, for the first time in 17 years, Fox News fell to third place in primetime cable news ratings among 25 to 54 year old viewers. This is within the so called big three cable news networks that's CNN, MSNBC, and of course Fox News. The 25 to 54 demographic is considered by advertisers sort of the most important demographic marketing wise. Fox launched in 96, they have not been in third place since June of the year 2000, almost 17 years to the day, MSNBC is now first with 611,000 viewers in that demographic, close to two and a half million viewers overall. Fox News, under 500,000 viewers. Okay, so obviously it is time to wrap up the week. Um, And... So we'll we'll jump right into the speed run now, and I guess um, the first story we can go ahead and talk about is one that got covered just slightly last week. Um, it was really just a blip. This was, of course, before Trump left for the foreign trip, and um, you know we were we were heavily enthralled in scandal right. last week. So it did, nothing really made the news other than <laughs> other than that shit. Um, so, but. FBI director, obviously James Comey is not there anymore, yep. and you know we talked He's a gone. lot. We talked a lot last week about Bob Mueller and all all of this stuff. Um, but what we didn't talk about are the names getting tossed around to replace James Comey. And, I've heard of a few of them. And the White House has said, um, you know, because Trey Gowdy's name was tossed around, and Gowdy then removed himself from consideration and whatnot. Right. Um, the White House seems to be alluding to Joe Lieberman being the number <laughs> the number one name being tossed around. 
if you're trying to get somebody God, who's not like political, <laughs> <laughs> like like uh, James Comey, I think you're barking up the wrong tree there. Right. Joe, first of all, screw Joe Lieberman. Joe Lieberman <laughs> is a Democrat when you want him to be. Uh, he's a Republican right. when you want him to be. Pretended to be yeah. an independent, but it was like, right. he'd but, always seem to be on one yeah, extreme or the other. Right. In one election, um, he's buddy-buddy with the Rudy Giuliani type, and in the next election, he's Al Gore's freaking <laughs> vice presidential candidate. <laughs> Um, yeah. Plus, he's a senator, so like I don't even understand what, yeah, why he would be considered. For... Here, here's my thing. And then another name that was being thrown around too was like Merrick Garland. Some Republicans were throwing <laughs> that one around, like to appease the Democrats. Right? Is he even qualified for that? The dude was a judge, not a law enforcement. Right. I mean, I guess technically law enforcement, but yeah. not an officer. Not like, yeah, the, not a director know. of the FBI. Um, this seems to be so. Anyway, you know, someone has to come up from. From the organization, I my, would think. My yeah. advice to Donald Trump, and I'm sure that he loves advice, um, is <laughs> is like, don't, dude, don't. What the hell are you doing? First of all, Democrats will eat you alive for that. I don't think that would get through. I don't even no. think that. With, no way. I don't think that with Republicans that that would get through. Right. Joe Lieberman is too much of a. Um, it's a wild card. He is a wild card. <laughs> he will literally play like he's like the little finger of Congress, right? Like I'm in this for me, right? And I'm just telling you that up front. Like I'm gonna be whatever you want me to be as long as I continue to benefit from it. I, I got too old to win. He just go. It's just that's just a sh- really shitty option in in my opinion. So I mm-hmm. really hope that that doesn't come to to fruition. I don't think it will. Um, but I hope that that name, the rhetoric there, uh, like. Yeah. Not rhetoric, but the, I hope those talks die down because that's yeah, not... Let's just wait and see who he actually puts up because right. I think it should be from someone from, you know, the... The FBI? Yeah, you know, that yeah. seems like he that probably had the all and And that was Lindsey Graham's argument, too, and I agreed with him when he said that. Like, pick somebody... Don't that, do a political move. Do the move that actually is going to create right. results. Yes. Do what... Um, what Obama did essentially, right? I yeah. mean, Bob Bob Mueller retired, and James Comey was next in line. You just promoted within. That's <laughs> right. what you do. Now, James yeah. Comey didn't try not to be, you know, the greatest, and you can have whatever opinion you want on that. He was but fine until you the know, political the move uh, or the the appointment was a, I think, a good decision, and I would have probably mm-hmm. made the same decision with James Comey. You're next in line. Yeah, especially at that time. I don't know shit about the FBI, so <laughs> as the president, you know, so I, I trust you guys know what you're doing. Here right. you go. Um, next in line gets gets the job. That's what I would think. Yeah. Joe Lieberman, no, F that. Um, no, I'm not buying that. I really hope that doesn't happen. So, yeah. um, We'll just wait and see. Yeah, so, so there's that. Uh, another... Another big story um, this week was <laughs> Montana, newly elected Montana Congressman. Wrestling moves over here. <laughs> right. Greg, <laughs> Greg Gianforte. He gave him the stunner uh, first and then. <laughs> right. Gets, uh, gets um, I guess he gets not, I, I'm trying to not use the word attack because what he did was attack. Yeah, he's, he definitely <laughs> um, attacked him. But he's getting questioned by a reporter from The Guardian who apparently, like, they've had several um, interactions with this newspaper that's trying to, right. that's, that's trying to get their story. His argument asking, was the guy was there and he wasn't supposed to be there. He just kind of, like, barged in the room and put it in his face right. and all that. Either way, I don't know if the end result should be you body slamming him. And, like, there is no video of it. There is audio because the dude had a the tape recording. The audio is pretty damn. <laughs> yeah. Like, he just immediately he's like, go talk right. to my guy. And a split second later, he just attacks right. him. Right. I mean, yeah, there's not 
it's a weird clip to to run into this segment with but yeah all that commotion <laughs> was bodies flying through the air right um and then the guy was just like oh you broke my glasses and now have you seen <laughs> have you seen that guy talk since because no. i did catch an interview he was i can't remember what show he was i think it was don lemon because of course it would be don lemon um <laughs> He was on the night after it happened, and here's what bugged me. And I, I remember Stacy and I were sitting there watching it together, um, and I looked at her and was like, "All right, here's my issue." Um, <laughs> he's Don. First of all, Don Lemon was like, "I don't want to make you relive the situation or the the, the, the moment." <laughs> You've been through so much trauma, right? And we just need to. And at that moment, the dude like looked down at his chest and was like it was the scariest yeah, moment of my life yeah <laughs> i know but i'll try to power through it dude you got pushed man yeah like, don't be a bitch no Th- that's all i'm saying what i heard because apparently um, i don't think you should have got pushed yeah no. and i don't think that we like it sounded like a wimp when it was all said and done but, i was like yeah, dude and then be a bit more than that and i don't even have a problem with him in the moment be like dude because here's here's my take on that after he got pushed he was like you broke my glasses you broke yeah. my glasses to me, the reason he's saying that isn't because he's actually that affected by it. It's to get it on audio. I don't have a camera. Right. I have a tape recorder. Like, get out of here. He's like, so, well, I'm going to stay. I'm right. going to call the police. So I want to make sure that my story is being recorded. That's why I'm now narrating the events right. that are taking place in the room. That's kind of how I took that. Now, I did have more of an issue when he went on to CNN the next night. It was like, all right, like, let me try to get through this tough moment in my life. Like, dude, you did just You've gotten get a bit of a fish fu- fist fight. Like, come you, on. You shouldn't have. And that guy should be held accountable for yeah. what he did. And what's crazy now is that Trump surrogates are calling for him to step down. <laughs> like, I've heard everyone, they told him to apologize. He actually did do it. I know that McKenzie... Uh, Michaela, Michaela, whatever her name is, the, whatever it is, the younger blonde girl that yeah. the that Surrey she's gets calling for, for him to step CNN. down. Which yeah. I don't think he's going to. I mean, he won. No, he's not going to. It's and me, I, you knew he would win. Well, but, to be fair, seventy percent of the vote was in right. by the time of the incident. Voting was the next. I do day. think though that it, it does it didn't have set. Time. We're at a bad place now. If if that is acceptable to anybody, like even if you don't like the media's, uh, I don't think you should step down. I think that would be going a bit over. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that if there are people out there that saw it and were like, yeah, good for him. Screw the media. (laughs) Fake news. Blah, 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 blah. Well, I called you and said, Uh, I thought that he gained votes from it. And and it's possible that he did. That's a problem though. Yeah. It shouldn't be okay to assault the media because I'm not going to say I'm going to make it my issue, but I'll I'll, I'll condone it. I'll say, you know, shouldn't happen in this case. (laughs) Like I said, right. And Fox News came out naturally because you heard the reports of the body slam. Mm-hmm. And then you heard the audio where it sounds like there's a scuffle. Well, and there was like two or three Fox reporters in the room at the time. And Did they corroborated this. They, they went into detail. They said yeah. that apparently he grabbed the guy with both hands by the neck, threw him backwards, and then started to punch him. It sounds so much worse than just body Here, slam at that well, point. Well, and here's the problem, too. Do you want a congressional leader that snaps that <laughs> quickly over something? Like, I right. get that, like, the media has been shoving cameras and microphones in your face and whatever. But, like, dude, dude, that's part of the you, territory well, you're running you gonna, for office. Right. What's going to happen when a real problem arises? Right. I'm like, going to beat the fuck out of it. Right. You can't just flip shit on ambassadors and kick them in the nuts and, right. and move on. Um, I don't think he should step down. He apologized, and I guess that'll probably 
appease most people. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. He'll lose. I mean, if he tries to say that it didn't happen or that he, you well, know, and he hasn't. He's he going to be brought up. He just did that whole like. Uh, that typical like Anthony Weiner, Hulk Hogan, like yeah, I said the racist term, uh, but you know it was in a moment of weakness, and that's not who I am. And people right. are gonna eat that shit up and be like, oh well, standard, it was a moment like, of weakness. Yeah, cookie cutter Shh. thing. Okay, that's fine. You right. still said like four in bombs in a row, so, <laughs> so <laughs> you're done. I'm just saying. Um, yeah, I so, think you'll yeah. be fine. I think he'll be fine too. I just I hope we're not at a point where people are thinking that his behavior is acceptable. Yeah. There is one thing that we all should agree on: whether or not the, the reporter should or can, shouldn't have been know. there. Like you don't whoop you don't whoop media ass because you don't like yeah. them in your face. We do have I don't a freedom condone of it. press. I do commit. They condemn it, but. right? So. So anyway, so there, so there's that one, and then I guess we'll finish the week with another story involving the media. And actually, um, let me pull this up real quick. Um, so we have some new, we have some new ratings in. You want um, here? Yeah, I'll take a little. I'll take take the take reins. the reins here. <laughs> um, so you know, we Mitch and I have commonly discussed ratings on TV, and and you know, it's no secret I'm not a fan of CNN. No, and I've brought all. up multiple times because I've always taken an issue when conservative media says, "Well, the mainstream media we um, lost our feet again." Son of a bitch! <laughs> um, it's gonna happen. Damn it! Shouldn't happen though. So. Anyway, when the when the conservative media says that the mainstream media, you they're talking about the liberal media, right? Right. Well, and my argument has always been they are the literally <laughs> like they have the most you have the viewers, most watched. Um, but we're fringe, so <laughs> right. No, you're not. So the new ratings are in, and we're gonna break them down real quick. Um, so we have this article here, and we'll we'll go ahead and read through it. Um, it looks like for at least during the controversial moments of the at least this presidency, mm-hmm. um, for the first time in several years, Fox has fallen to number three yeah. in in ratings and viewership behind MSNBC and CNN, um, which to me is crazy. That I think you said this was from C- one week, though, right? It was for yeah. Which it I was think for is one extremely week. important. And it was also, I think they referenced, and we'll read through it, but I think they referenced that in weeks like this, which there have been a few, mm-hmm. this has been the trend. So I don't know that it's necessarily just the week of the uh, Michael Flynn stuff and James Comey stuff. Yeah, they I, do, but as far as this article goes, they just cite that week a lot. Right. So let's let's go ahead and go through this real quick. Um it says the Fox News and MSNBC both find themselves in unusual positions right now. Fox is losing and MSNBC is winning. And there seems to be a striking similarity between the ratings race and President Trump's political fortunes. Um, Fox, which obviously has pro-Trump vibe in primetime, usually <laughs> ranks number one among cable news channels um, with 25 to 54 year olds, a key demographic for advertisers. Uh, but for the past week, with Trump mired in scandal, MSNBC has outrated Fox in primetime in the so-called demo. Um, both MSNBC and CNN have seen rating spikes related to FBI Director James Comey's firing and the fallout ever since the Neely, the Nielsen ratings data suggests that Fox viewers are less interested. Um, Fox still has a loyal base of viewers who watch the network throughout the day. It remains number one in total of viewers with CNN and MSNBC far behind, but 
with White House in crisis mode and Fox sometimes downplaying the seriousness of the situation, channel surfers are opting for MSNBC and CNN instead. Um, so far this week, which was a couple <laughs> weeks ago, last week. Um, I would think at the beginning of the James Comey. Right. So far, Fox Russia is ranked thing. number three in primetime, both uh, behind both CNN and MSNBC, which almost never happens. Um, after the story was first published, MSNBC's Joe Scarborough commented on it via Twitter. He wrote, Fox News Channel has been third in third place because... One, conservative intensity has plummeted. And two, they're not covering the story. <laughs> um, yeah. He said the GOP should be concerned about the decline in conservative intensity. Um, I disagree with that. After the Washington Post broke the news that Trump shared highly classified information with Russian officials, MSNBC was number one with an average of 662,000 demo viewers during prime time. CNN averaged 608,000 and Fox averaged 499,000. I still don't like that they're calling it news. Um, they're still presenting it like it's a fact and that irritates me. Well, I mean, to be fair to they the article... It, so. Fox News is calling it the same thing. Yeah. So um, they're all calling these leaks. They're not calling like they're calling them leaks from anonymous sources, but they're still at least broke the news. They're acknowledging at least seemingly that they are leaks, which then begs to me begs to question. Are they real or are they not? Because if they're leaks, then you would assume they're real. And yeah. if both forms of media are reporting them as leaks and not false information, one would assume they were real. <laughs> um, I always so, take an issue with that. Anyway, uh, those are big spikes for MSNBC and CNN versus a typical night for Fox, meaning the conservative skewing network did not benefit from the ultra-active news cycle. On Tuesday night, after the New York Times uh, reported the allegation that Trump asked Comey to end the FBI investigation into former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn, CNN was number one with an average of 719,000 demo viewers. In primetime, MSNBC averaged 650,000 and Fox 539,000. As someone who turns on Fox to watch breaking news coverage, Hemmer said, I found myself uh, switching over to CNN because my hunger for analysis was going unmet at Fox. And this represents a real problem going forward for the network. What happens when a network chooses not to cover the story everyone is talking about? Fox's ratings are down lately, and I think that that could very well be connected to their lack of attention to the breaking stories. Hemmer, who is also an assistant professor at the University of Virginia Miller Center, said the coverage um, highlights a growing disjuncture between Fox News and its opinion, between Fox's news arm and its opinion arm. Um, MSNBC is known for its opinion arm too, but it hasn't felt as disjointed. The channel's rating success have been driven by Rachel Maddow, Maddow, um, the outspoken <laughs> Trump critic who has homed in on Trump and the Russia storylines for several months. She has a top-rated cable news show overall, the top-rated, um, and topping 3 million total viewers, 829,000 of whom were in the demo. Fox News is used to being first place in the ratings and by a relatively comfortable margin um but maddow has been creeping up on fox for a while (laughs) fueled i love that they put it this way fueled by trump opponents who um look forward to her nightly 
to her nightly monologue, anti-Trump <laughs> monologues. See, right. I mean, if you want to be honest. All right. Um, they, Fox. They love them. Right. So anyway, so basically, the the gist of the story is that CNN and MSNBC are gaining off these ultra active news cycles, right. which seem to be hurting or an attempted shots at the administration or you know right. whatever um, it's mostly negative news coverage and fox is suffering because they're not covering it and i think that and this is what i'm going to say to this whole thing is that when me and you found out about james comey being fired mm-hmm. we called each other and it was like a speed round topic right we didn't think it was going to be massive news and i think that cnn and a lot of these other and msnbc have made it the topic so whenever Fox wasn't covering it, I think they thought the same Maybe, thing. Maybe, but like, I, this isn't as big of a deal. I mean, I think Trump has made it that that same. Yeah, I, I think, think Trump has done. I think Trump has done the same thing. I don't know if you. I don't think it's totally fair to just say that they've made it the story because remember, Trump does dumb the, shit. the White <laughs> yeah, the he White House shit. said this is why we fired him, and then 24 hours later said, oh no no no. This right. is why we fired him. Right. And then 24 hours later said, no, 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 no. Let me clarify <laughs> the last two days of lies. Right. This is why we fired him. That creates the story. I think then that week, makes the media yeah. go, are you bullshitting me? Because it sounds like you're bullshitting me. And now I want to know more. Yeah. And it perpetuates the story. We'll see with after this trip if it does actually start to die down. Because I think that because there was such an intense. plan on it. I'm, I'm not like, saying I'm that not they saying, won't cover I'm not it. Saying I think that we'll, they'll see lost interest. I don't. Because uh, I think that they made it the story for a week. And I understand that. But there's a lot of people like us and other people that are out there saying, where are these sources? People are being very critical of the anonymous sources. And I think that now that they've been talking about for a week and these things were coming out, coming out, and then we still don't really have anything. Yeah. I think you're going to see interest drop down. Well, again. maybe, but keep in mind too, while and of course, because we don't have the whole story, it's hard to anal- give analysis on wh- right. how we think this is going to go. Um, we're going to get tired of hearing breaking but news. There's no news. If you know, like let's say that there's some guy at the FBI that's like, oh, I just found this out. Let me just slip this over to the Washington <laughs> post real quick. And then, as a result of that, Bob Mueller contacts mm-hmm. that person and is like, hey, let's see what you have. Like, yeah. then, like, so there may be more going on. And so I would be interested, for me personally, and I've said it for the last couple of weeks, for me personally, the whole Russia thing um, will come to a close after Bob Mueller concludes the investigation. The investigation. And, yeah. To me, I trust him. Um, and so if he comes back and he says, yes, there was... What I would hope, though, is even if there was no law-breaking, if there is collusion that doesn't cross that line, I would still hope that he would do the James Comey thing in that sense <laughs> and be like, look, there's not any criminal action here. This, is there extreme was, negligence? Right. There yes. was collusion there was this this and this it doesn't break any laws and for that reason we're not going to prosecute i'll be satisfied with that but i would like to know if there is something there even if it's not criminal right um because i mean i want transparency oh i want to know what happens (laughs) yeah so but i still said fox is number one rated news so overall, yes. overall right now, right. I, I don't think, although it's it w- it's also too, just, I would say that there's more to be said to their decline in viewership over 
the last few months, they are still number one. Um, and they've also been had a lot of controversies going on. Well, they've so, had a lot of controversies. A lot of lineup changes. They've lost a lot of people. Yeah. You know? Um, you got a base, man. When you Megan Kelly, Megan Kelly was number one rated before she left. Bill mm-hmm. O'Reilly was prime time before he got fired. Yeah, Bill O'Reilly um, had to go. <laughs> right. Got his ass out of there. Greta's on MSNBC now. Which like, is insane. There's They're a, pulling a lot of... Uh, well, and they have a lot of goofy programming now. Like, a yeah. lot of those shows are like Red Eye and The Five, and they're on in like the middle of the day, <laughs> and it's like, is I don't know if this is I supposed to be... I don't watch Fox News. Like, that, that to me... I don't know if it's supposed to be funny. Is this supposed to be news? Yeah. Are you just like really shitty at telling jokes? They're like, <laughs> I, I don't know what's happening with this programming. So I think there are a lot of factors that goes that go into those numbers and as a result of those factors msnbc and cnn can pat themselves on the back and say we're benefiting from this right um but i don't know that i'd read super into it i just thought when i saw the story this week like uh, that's interesting because we commonly debate on what is mainstream media and how do you well it depends week by week i guess Mm -hmm. and the narrative before this has been that cnn has been losing tons and tons of Right. viewers due to their over they obviously have a bias at this point right but it seems like the opposite is true well for this week for after this week this event and right. i think this event's on the wane but we'll we'll see but they by your argument they invented it <laughs> so they can invent it again that's fine but i think so, that, like, in, but i, think I don't people hear anonymous source now and they don't they're not going to jump at it like they did before in my opinion. all here's my personal opinion when anonymous sources leak stuff like literally every hour for like a week, right? At some point, I stop believing that it's just people lying <laughs> and it's actually people with information that don't want to reveal themselves the- so that they continue to get that information. The other problem, too, that you I and I have talked way. about, um, is that the United States government has a really shitty. Um, process uh, or they, they allow too much access right so yeah. um, you can be an intern for the United States government and have access to almost everything that's not top secret right that's there's a lot of people you that can just see your shit. that shit out yeah, yeah absolutely while. so like Jimmy little Jimmy over there <laughs> he's all grown up <laughs> he's all Fucking grown Jimmy. up now he survived <laughs> the healthcare crisis and right. uh, now he's leaking shit <laughs> to the New York Times and you know I, if I'm Jimmy like A I had a rough childhood I had to survive the healthcare system <laughs> so I might as well I, I might as well keep my name clean so that right. I, so right. I can keep helping society right. that tried to kill to me, me it's the other way the more <laughs> frequently they come out and everything like that the less i believe it like right so so i mean i don't know it's too, we'll it's see where the ratings too, go at this point right we'll see i think you're going to see a more normal two differences of opinion there but yeah you know we'll see anyway yep. i think i think that's a good place to wrap it up for the week don't forget um of course to like and subscribe for our latest content um you know, of course, we will be available. The show will be up on iTunes and Google Play um, at the end of the week. Yeah. Uh, or, I'm sorry, on Tuesday. Um, uh, YouTube should be updated as soon as I can. I'm going to try to get that uh, budget segment done today. Right. Able to upload it. So for everyone on the live feeds... <laughs> That obviously they didn't work. Let, <laughs> so, let me also say too. We'll try to fix that next time. That there are weeks like this past week where the show is supposed to come up on Tuesday, and then <laughs> producers, namely Brandon, mm-hmm. who say, "Hey man, I'm so kick ass at producing this," <laughs> and get a I little, got it down. I get a little bit happy about an extra touch that I put on the damn show, 
And instead of instead of that working out the way that it was supposed to, it causes three extra days of bullshit delays where I can't figure out why the program isn't working, right. only to find out that I'm a damn idiot and don't know how to run a simple graph system. So I apologize for the fact that the episode was a couple days late last week. It really was a headache and a half trying to figure out what the hell happened to um, the file now that I know, that's going to be the number one problem I look for. Right. Um, but hopefully, our, our hope is to have this up at least by midday on Tuesday. Um, you know, if there is an issue, update it faster than we did last week. I really was just pulling my hair out all week um, <laughs> trying to figure out what the hell happened to the process that I've done so many times here with this podcast. Um so so it's funny though because we when we started the show when we started doing the YouTube you had to get over that learning experience cuz Mitch right. produces the YouTube stuff Mitch, Mitch produces why there's all no the video podcasts. for like nine weeks right so what's hilarious <laughs> that is shit was hard for nine weeks I could sit there and be like well just get your shit together like, just get your shit together and then the second it's just uploading videos right, right. Maybe just do it. it's just right what do you gotta do a lot of people think that this is just pressing record Dustin and I'm not gonna have this <laughs> argument with you it's not it's not um, there's an editing process right rigorous so, process so but but it, it's interesting that the second the video starts working smoothly now I have all these problems <laughs> with this technology um so hopefully our, our goal is tuesday and i think especially with the with the holiday weekend we should be able to get this up pretty yeah. quickly so we're gonna chill out um, editing. like it, like we say every week the uh the comments are d- every week i screw it up too every time <laughs> i try to say this sentence the links to the topics discussed of course will be um provided in the comments section um along with our goofy hashtags that just kind of randomly show up um <laughs> And and anyway, I think that's a good place to to leave it for the week. So hope everybody has a good Memorial Day weekend. Mm-hmm. And um, thanks for listening. And as always, now we will leave you with the alternative fact of the week. Our top story, U.S. President Donald Trump back at the White House after an eight-day trip to the Middle East and Europe. But while he was gone, the political firestorm back home over Russian meddling in the election grew even bigger. As you just saw, Mr. Trump would not answer. 